Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 902 here on SENZ. For the next three hours, we hope to keep you entertained, and we'll do that uh, talking, first of all, to Sam Ackerman, of course, our rugby league pundit, uh, and the Rugby League World Cup is just around the corner, starts this weekend in the UK, so... Sam will be all over that. 9.30 this morning, we'll give you an opportunity to win a chemist warehouse voucher to the value of $50. We will open up our lines, 0800 150 811. There's a number of things to talk about, actually. Uh, is this the end of Martin Guptill, do you sense? Uh, and and what um, if it is the end of Martin Guptill? Well, he's still in the World Cup squad, but it doesn't appear, from what Gary Stead was saying the other day, uh, all the teams that he's picked so far in this tri-series, that Martin Guptill's going to get a look in. It looks like it's, uh, it's going to be Finn Allen, uh, Devin Conway at the top of the order and Kane Williamson at three. Uh, what do you feel about that? How do you feel about um, Martin Guptill being left out? That's one. Of course, um, we're still talking about uh, the Rugby League World Cup as well. What are your expectations of the Kiwis and Tonga and Samoa? Um, it looks to me as if there's one standout team in each of the groups. Uh, but uh, how are you viewing uh, the Kiwis' chances going into uh, the World Cup? Of course, there's still NPC playoffs to talk about. Uh, we've still got um, ramifications over the naming of the All Black 15. There's plenty for you to talk about, but uh, principally, uh, and of course the, the, the T20 World Cup is just around the corner. What are your expectations of the Black Caps on what you're seeing at the moment? Love to hear your calls, but not till after 9.30 this morning. Shai Davidi, Sportsnet Baseball Columnist. 10.04 this morning. So uh, we played him just a little jingle there because we're pretty excited about him coming on. Andrew Gordy and Jamie Wall, a very familiar panellist, will be with us at 20 past 10. And then Simon Child. Now, this is a great story. He's been out of the uh, Black Sticks for quite some time, but he debuted. He's, he debuted uh, when he was 17 years of age. He's now 34. He's played half his life, half his life in the Black Sticks, and he's back to tour India very shortly. Uh, quarter to 12 this morning, we shall uh, talk to Andy Thompson. Plenty going on in the rural industry. Just mention emission, emission, and you'll have Andy climbing through the, the seats and <clears throat> through the uh, wireless, I can promise you that, it's starting to get up the nose of a few farmers, literally speaking. Uh, and, of course, we'll have a stump smoothie around about 11.30 this morning as well. But uh, we'll begin this morning with Rugby League. Stop. 
Well, that right there was the sound of history being made. One of the greatest moments in New Zealand Rugby League ever as Stephen Kearney guided the Kiwis to glory 34-20 over Australia in Brisbane. And right now, World Cup fever is all around us. The Rugby World Cup kicked off last weekend here in New Zealand for the women. And uh, come this weekend, the UK will welcome the Rugby League World Cup. With us now is uh, Sam Ackerman, a man who probably uh, who covered Rugby League on TV3 for years and probably still has great memories of that 2008 Rugby League World Cup triumph. Good morning to you, Sam. Good morning. No, yeah, I was there, Smitty. Uh, prime, prime seats, bang on halfway, uh, surrounded by arrogant Aussie media who was soon eating very humble pie. Uh, sporting career-wise, as far as covering as a journalist, easily the... The highlight for me, being in those sheds afterwards, seeing the, the joy on the, those players' faces, getting to hold uh, the World Cup, which, by the way, uh, the team manager, Gordon Gibbons, had to make a, uh, a special booking for ahead of time. He was that confident they were going to win. He booked a, uh, booked it a business class seat under the name of T. Ropey. Um, so it was uh, it was written in the it was written in the stars, and uh, I can tell you they partied long, they party hard. Uh, I went back to the team hotel afterwards to see the uh, you know, capture the celebrations uh, where, where we could as well. So a very special night for rugby league, and just talking about it makes the uh, the hairs in the back of neck go up. To, to imagine scenes like that again would be um, something special. Well, they're on, they're on. No great recollection, Sam. We've got to say they're on, but. What are your levels of expectation uh, of, a, of a great tournament, uh, first of all, before we go inside the group? So what are you, what are you looking at in terms of a spectacle in the UK? Well, what I'm seeing, what I'm hoping for at least, is a, a, a league competition where those who go oh, international rugby league is is you know dead as a dodo. It's got nothing to it. It's, it's lopsided. I'm I'm hoping we're seeing a lot more um, scope here, and I think that the last World Cup tournament we started to see the emergence. Obviously, a lot is made of Tonga, um, but Fiji, you know, you can't forget what they achieved, and uh, Lebanon uh, had a, a great World Cup as well. There is so much room for teams to give it, give performances that their nations can be legitimately proud of, and for the big nations, the tier ones, if you like, uh, to feel legitimately under threat in, uh, in plenty of contests. So there's going to be plenty of blowouts, as there are at all World Cups of all of all sports. Um, but I still think there's this is shaping as, as an even one. Uh, I find that the uh, the British conditions in a World Cup can sometimes be a leveller. Uh, and that it doesn't allow for the same open style of, of rugby league that we see when it's in the Southern Hemisphere. So that could be good for some teams, uh, but you need to be switched on. This cannot just be throw the ball around. Defence is going to win this World Cup. One of the most interesting groups is Group A, actually. Uh, if you look at the makeup of that group, and it begins with England against Samoa this Sunday at New Zealand time. Uh, England, France, Greece, Samoa. Um, this is an, it is because there's a lot of hometown pressure on England playing standalone, not uh, playing as Great Britain. So, how are you seeing England's chances here, and can Samoa rip their ration card? I reckon they can. Uh, Samoa is bringing a lot of uh, form and momentum into this, but we should just start looking at England. They've got a, a problem that's quite similar to Australia's, whereas their competition and the leading lights within their competition aren't 
representing their country. They're, they're players from uh, from overseas, or representing at least overseas countries. So if you take into account uh, their Super League team of the year, there were six Englishmen in that 13. Two of them are out injured, and one is retired. So three of that of the form 13 in, uh, in the Super League are playing for England, uh, whereas the other seven are Aussies and Kiwis that are, are no longer wanted for test duty or never got there to start with, like Bevan French and Jai Field. And uh, it's the Bro- Brody Croft who kind of got marched out of the NRL because he couldn't quite lift to the standards that were expected. He was their man of steel for the player of the year. Uh, Sean Kenny Dell still going over there got in the, in the team of the year as well. So... They've got a good group, but they're relying quite a lot on the guys. If, ironically enough, uh, coming out of uh, coming out of Australia, guys like Victor Radley from the uh, Roosters, Victor the Inflictor, uh, Elliot Whitehead, we know has been going so well. Uh, Dom Young had a great year on the uh, on the wing for Newcastle as well. So and Georgie Williams uh, used to play NRL in the halves. He'll be crucial. Tom Burgess. So some very f- familiar names. Uh, they are. They've got some good players about them. They'll be a threat. Uh, being at home is certainly a benefit, but I think they're probably a little underrated, and they're a little, a little angry about it too. They, they, they're kind of worked up. They were in the last World Cup final, uh, so they have a lot to uh, prove and a lot to expect out of it. So I think we are underwriting them, but the reason we're underwriting England is because the rise of Samoa is such a substantial one. I mean, uh, Tor Samoa are a, a team that is stacked full. If you thought, if you thought the Panthers were good last, uh, this year, then you're going to have to say that Samoa are good, because they've got the same Backline just without Nathan Cleary and uh, and Dylan Edwards. Very look, definitely key players, but there is a lot to like about what Samoa brought. They are the Tonga of this tournament, as we saw from um, five years ago when Tonga kind of exploded and said, "You know what? We're going to put out this country first instead of Australia." There is at least a minimum of three players in that Samoan team that would walk into the Australian squad. Minimum. Uh, so you know, uh, Jerome Luai's uh, form. People people don't love him, but he's a hell of a player. Uh, Joseph uh, Suwali as well as uh, you know, very gifted man for the Roosters and Brighton Paul. I'd say would I'd say he'd start any team in in the NRL, uh, any team in the World Cup as well. So there's a lot to like about what I've got. Uh, I've got a very strong pack, as you would come to believe. A lot of uh, former Kiwis, former Warriors, could have been there too. Made to Pove and run around. Danny Levi, uh, Lingy Sal. Chanel, uh, Chanel Harris-David is playing as well um, before he takes his break. So it's a strong squad. This really sets the tone. And in the in this group, uh, it is uh, you. If you win, or in all groups, if you uh, win, you go through top. You come runner-up. You're also through the quarterfinals. So this could have a large say over who tops the group. Right, uh, Group B, Sam is Australia, Fiji, Italy, and Scotland. And Australia as hot favourites for this group begin their campaign against Fiji on Sunday as well. Now then, a couple of interesting things to note about that. Uh, in the first selection, he's named his team Mel Meninga. Uh, no Panthers uh, in the first uh, selection. No Campbell Gillard either. He's giving him a breather. Uh, Dale, uh, Daly Cherry Evans gets the start there for over Nathan Cleary. Tedesco is captain. And an interesting thing this year, um, the jersey numbers are going to change for Australia. I imagine you're fully aware of, uh, over that. So... Um, of course, um, being the captain, Tedesco gets jersey number one, and then he hands out the numbers as opposed to the length of time you've been playing for Australia. So Cherry Evans wears two, Munster seven, Nanai twenty-two. Interesting. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not just uh, Australia that has that. Uh, it's, it's the World Cup rules as you uh, you're picking your squad and you give them a jersey number. It's it's what they do in Super yeah. League, obviously uh, English football. So they're choosing to try to make things familiar for the locals. 
I, to me, I don't. It seems ridiculous to me because I don't think the ca- like a, a casual observer will come in and go, "Oh well, I get it." Then maybe, maybe if you see the guy running around it um, in, in twenty two and he's killing it throughout the tournament, you can follow, you can build a bit of. Oh, yep, he's. I, I'd want to get his jersey number, but I, I, look, it's it's gimmicky. I think it'll be weird for the first um, week or two, and it makes it hard for uh, to follow who's in what position definitively when you know centres and back rowers can move around so uh, freely and regularly, but. It won't change. Uh, won't change the fact that this is the least Australia experienced Australian squad uh, to ever go to a World Cup. But that's not. Let's not start to plot Australia's downfall. They're still the Kangaroos. They still have incredible depth. Take fullback. So Tedesco's captain. If he goes down, they can choose between Latrell Mitchell, Cam Munster, Val Holmes, or Jack Whiten. All those guys can step in to play fullback, and they'd be handy in any team. So this is there's a lot of depth, a lot of hungry young forwards ready to make a, a name for themselves um, as well. So I, they're still a very good side. They will be uh, well drilled. They've got a lot of uh, talent in their assistant coaches, which is what Mel Meninga relies on. He's the great man motivator, but he gets coaches to do the coaching for him. So look, do, do not write off Australia, but uh, all things going to plan. Australia and New Zealand, the best they can meet is a uh, is a semi-final, and the worst would be a quarter-final. Uh, so it's it will be it'll be a stretch. It's gonna be a real push. Right, uh, Group Three, of course, uh, involves us, and uh, we have to wait till Monday till we're in action, and that um, is against uh, Lebanon, of course, coached by Michael Checker. Haven't heard if uh, Michael yeah, McGuire right. officially has named his side. So uh, yeah, this is an interesting one um, in terms of how he's going to balance his squad with three very winnable games. Look, they are all winnable. But look, as I mentioned before about uh, about Lebanon, they came within a couple of points of toppling Tonga in the last World Cup. Uh, and they've got a couple of guns uh, in their halves for them. And uh, Mitchell Moses, well, at least ball-playing options, at least and Mitchell Mo- Moses from the Eels and uh, and the Tigers, Adam Dewey as well. So and some decent finishers who on their day can be deadly, but haven't been in a while. And Josh Mansour and Reese Robinson. So they're, look, they're no mugs. They've, they've, got some, they've got some good firepower. As you mentioned, Michael Checker, he helped uh, the Pumas get over the All Blacks. Uh, it would be quite the feat to get Lebanon up over um, over the Kiwis. And certainly, you know, the, the Kiwis will be primed and ready to make a, a mark here. I do not see this as a complacent New Zealand side. But look, this will be the most competitive of the games. Look, you mentioned the other teams. Jamaica, the Reggae Warriors, as they're known, uh, they will be uh, making their first Rugby League World Cup. And what they've got a couple of uh, players with Super League experience, but mostly actually from the Caribbean competition, which is pretty cool. And they, they reckon, actually, that they'll be the, they can be the Tonga of the uh, of the World Cup when it comes to the support levels that Tonga got when they were here, and they they pulled out a stat to back it up. They said there's about forty thousand Tongans, uh, people of Tongan heritage living in New Zealand, is a stat they produced. In the UK, there's around eight hundred thousand of Jamaican origins in the UK, so they're hoping to get a big turnout. I think they may be a little optimistic, uh, but certainly it could be nice to see a bit of flair added. And look. Ireland's in the group that I've got Luke Carey from the Roosters. He's definitely you know, capable of playing well. And Richie Myler knows his way to the try line. But these are three winnable games. And it's important that the Kiwis use this to make a statement uh, and to take some real strength into their playoff. Because they're going to most likely play Fiji. Uh, and Fiji knocked New Zealand out of the last World Cup at quarterfinal stage as well. So, And they've got three superstars themselves and the likes of Api Coruscant in that team and uh, Viliano Kikau. So we know how strong uh, they can be as, as, an, as an opposition. Uh, and you've got like you know, Corbin Sims and uh, Micah, uh, Micah Seva from uh, the Eels. He, he will rack up plenty of tries. He will terrorise the, the 
nose in this comp. So hopefully um, they're in uh, good form for a big clash against the Kiwis. I can't wait. So Sam, how does he play this, uh, Michael Checker? First up, of course, um, against uh, what you regard as a, a reasonable sort of a threat here in Lebanon. Uh, does he go hell for leather here with his top side? Because at some stage he's going to have to play it. You don't want a new combination all of a sudden playing in playoff football. So how does he balance this? Uh, bumps and bruises aside, I think Michael Maguire is likely to go with as close to his top side as he can. That'll be my guess, because he'd like to lay down a statement. Uh, this is the biggest challenge uh, they will have in group stage, so you want to put, put those guys against what will be a challenge. And listen, while I think Lebanon can be competitive, if this Kiwi side is even... Is even you know, remotely focused, they should not be a threat. This New Zealand side is ranked number one in the world. Many saying they're the best Kiwi squad to ever go to a World Cup. Uh, so they should be able to account for them. But the competition in this team is so fierce, uh, you could leave, there's, there's going to be some very talented players left out of this first choice uh, 17, especially in the pack. They've got strong options in the halves. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very excited about what this team can put out. I expect them to put his best team out and said, go on, this is your jersey, make sure you earn it. That's, that's my pick from Maguire. Okay, good uh, good sentiments there. It's going to be so competitive, and that is the great thing. I mean, the, a lot of Aussie commentators saying that we are the out-and-out favourites. Are you with them on that, or are you a little bit more cautious? Uh, look, I can see why, um, cause, because of this Australian side, but it's Australia. The Australians, uh, look, they may, they may be more like the British and Irish Lions now by as much commitment they put into the international game. I know we've had COVID, but you know they chose not to play for a whole season uh, before that, and they could have definitely chosen to focus on it and get it in uh, the kangaroos some game time. They didn't. That's, it shows what they, they think of it. It, they may be sl- less of a, um, a, a cohesive threat, but they are still the Australians, and they are still a team that knows how to lift for big games. Their origin cauldron will be a massive deal, though it, sh- it should be pointed out, uh, form-wise, when it comes to the players playing in form in their competition in the NRL, uh, there's only, uh, from the grand final, Australia have only picked four players that played in that game. Uh, Fiji almost have as many as them. They've got three. The Kiwis have got six, and Samoa have got seven. So this is what I'm talking about. But the spread of talent within uh, this world, within this World Cup is that the players who are in form aren't just playing for the big guns. And Australia have got their work cut out for them. But I'll, I'm, I'm comfortable with New Zealand's favourites. I don't think they're runaway favourites. Right. Okay. Let's get to Group D then, please. Uh, Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, Wales, and Tonga. Now uh, Tonga, a lot have been uh, made about Tonga here. Um, Papua New Guinea, of course, have got a great affiliation with the game of rugby league. It's their national game. Um, you know, uh, that's an interesting matchup first up, and that is uh, we have to wait till Wednesday for that. It's the best pool. It'll be the most intriguing pool because there are. Uh, look, you would expect Tonga to uh, to top it. You expect Tonga to um, to make it through. But honestly, the Cook Islands have got a. Um, a, a if you're if you're looking for who to support outside of um, outside of your country of origin, if you, don't, you know, Tonga and Samoa are easy options, right? But I think the Cook Islands are a team that I'll be giving um, a bit of love to as far as sitting down to, uh, to watch. They're coached by uh, Tony Edo, of course, the, uh, the most famous brothers to be associated with the Cook Islands, and uh, his nephew. So it's uh, his big brothers. Uh, uh, team and uh, Kevin, sorry, son and Kevin and uh, Kale Edo is, is continuing the family name and playing. We've got uh, some former Kiwis and the Sun Masters, Brad Takarangi, Zane Tedivano, um, guys who know from the Warriors as well, like Anthony Gelling and Don Peru, and of course the most, the least looking uh, Cook Islander you can hope 
to see, but a big bopper who'll make a difference, and Dylan Napper as well, he'll be um, charging in for them, so the uh, the Kuki will be great to watch, I reckon they should really get a, give a good account of themselves, but don't sleep on, on the Kumals, they are a uh, very proud side, listen to the firepower they've got in their back line as well, Eric Johnston top try scorer in the NRL for last couple of seasons at least, uh, Justin Olam and Xavier Coates from the Storm so they've got some finishing power in there too, and, and look out for their hooker as well. Edwin Ibappe has uh, been, you know, is highly regarded by those who see him. He just helps his team, the Lee Centurions, earn a promotion to Super League for next season. So uh, they're, they're a damn good side. I feel sorry for Wales. They're going to get smoked. Uh, but Tonga, if it's not now, when? They're not under the radar anymore. They've, they've earned their place uh, up to potentially promotion into a tier one side. Uh, and uh, you know, the former Kiwis they've got in there as well, like Aiden Fanua Blake, Tomalolo, Tui Lolohia, Havili, Tokiaho, they've all played for New Zealand, so we should have an affinity with them. Their pack will be hard to handle, man. They've some solid backs as well, but the halves have a lot to prove. It's really up to the um, the halves to make sure the ball gets to the right places at the right time. The pack will be damaging, and this is a Tongan team that's full of confidence. They, they, they're capable of beating everyone. They've proven that. They've beaten all the big names in the international rugby league already. Can they do it at the big stage? Tonga was the team of the tournament last time around, but they only made the semis. So they need to really uh, have a little bit of firepower. If they are to ever upset the apple cart, it feels like it's now. Sam, uh, one of the other things, of course, um, that is going to be prevalent in this tour because of the physical nature of the game as well, uh, is of course uh, is uh, injuries, uh, and there will be injuries. There's no doubt about it. And the uh, the, the nature of this tournament is is very quick. I mean, uh, we start this Sunday. That's the 16th. Uh, the final is uh, just over four weeks away on uh, November the 20th. There's very little recovery time here, so that will be a factor. As will be the short dead ball areas for kicking games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Eng- the English uh, dead ball uh, areas. It, it's uh, look their their supermodel weight. Thin. If you can't get your kicking game right on point, uh, you're going to find yourself uh, running back to the uh, the 30 metre mark where the uh, opposition comes at you with a seven tackle set. So uh, it is all about uh, momentum and getting yourself uh, right and, be- and getting smart as well. I expect to see a lot more contest for the ball uh, in, in the field of play. I think we'll see more bombs than we will uh, those traditional grubbers. I think they'll try to force... Uh, you know, defending teams into the end goal because if you can tackle some of the end goal, you're a great chance of getting them out and getting a dropout. But I don't think we'll see that same kind of uh, just lazy grubber through and see what can make happen. Kick chase will be crucial, uh, as will uh, everyone who, who wears, well, it doesn't matter what jersey number they wear, right? We've talked about that. If anyone plays at the wing or fullback, they should be spending their uh, every waking moment practicing catching bombs because there is going to be a lot of aerial activity coming uh, their way. And the team that handles that pressure the best, is best prepared uh, to get them behind that, those high balls, will be uh, put themselves in a great position. But defence will win this World Cup. The team that defends uh, the best will be in the grand final in my opinion at the very least and it's up to the, the Kiwis to, uh, to back up. Well, we saw what they did against Leeds. Now Leeds was not at full strength. Leeds is not an international team. Leeds is not Australia, Tonga, Samoa, England uh, but what it showed is that they can be ruthless with the ball but smart on defence as well. Uh, though I want to see uh, a, def- a defensive game that sees the likes of uh, the Human Eclipse Nelson Asafa Solomona, play smart, play hard, but get that rubbish out of his game that plagued the season for the Storm. Soft penalties will be brutal 
in this World Cup. And we've seen, you know, Jared Wadia Hargraves, we know he's got some of those uh, in him as well when he comes back from his suspension at the back part of this tournament. So many good props to choose from, so many great back rowers. Got to play smart, play hard, hold your line, don't worry about knocking the opposition's block off. It doesn't win your games, stopping them getting through does. Sam Ackerman, as always, uh, a pleasure talking rugby league with you, mate. I can tell you're excited about uh, the prospect of the next month over there in the UK. Thanks so much for updating us uh, on these pools and the likely uh, contenders. Cheers, man. I uh, look forward to talking to you throughout the event. Cheers, Sam. Honestly. Cheers, uh, Sam Ackerman there. Uh, he's just uh, brilliant on the league, isn't he? Absolutely fantastic. Uh, 9.25 here on SCNZ. We'll be back shortly. Uh, right, uh, coming up to news time, uh, but before that, we'd like to solicit your calls, if we could. Thanks, 0800 150 uh, Chemist Warehouse voucher up for grabs. Love to talk about uh, the makeup of the, this uh, New Zealand T20 side, which is looking like, for all intents and purposes, they will not have Martin Guptill. And uh, for Gary Stead to come out and say he didn't see him in his 11 uh, two or three days ago, it's quite weird. What did you make of that? I- I've never heard of that, to be perfectly honest. And Gary Stead is such a reserved guy. That is a big call from him. So um, I, I will say that was very interesting for me. Um, what have you made so far of uh, the Women's World Cup? Has it gone to sleep a wee bit now? Um, but the fact that they're only going to play at the weekends. Uh, prospects, you just heard from Sam Ackerman. Uh, what about prospects for the Rugby League World Cup? When you hear Sam sum it up, it's far from a two-horse, three-horse race. Uh, he th- believes there's genuine contenders in every pool and a lot more games will be a lot more even than we actually uh, perceive them to be looking from the outside in. So... Um, any uh, number of subjects or maybe another one that you've got up your sleeve as well 0800 150 811 is the number in the meantime here is the news Talkback Time with Smithy brought to you by Chemist Warehouse great savings every day call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher 0800 150 811 9.34 here on SENZ, and our first caller this morning is uh, Nick from Wellington. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Smithy. How you going? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm uh, interested to chat um, about the Black Caps there. Um, I'm interested to, to see they've uh, basically written Martin Gupta off by the look, at it, look of it from uh, where I sit anyway. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It seems pretty... It's sort of out of character from Gary Smith to come out and say something sort of so conclusive as that. But... Um, I think in a tournament situation, surely, you know, the the, the experience and dependability of Martin Guptill is something that he wants at the top of the order. Like, we've been so successful at these world tournaments in the last, you know, what, six or so years because we're consistent, you know, and we just play educated cricket. But I think, and, you know, like Finn Allen's going real good, and he's, you know, I know him a little bit, and he's a real good guy, but I think... Um, He's been a little bit hot and cold, and I'm not quite sure that's what you want going into a World Cup. OK, Nick, let's look at uh, Finn Allen. You say you know him a wee bit. Um, I've only seen him bat um, against quality opposition um, once or twice, and that was uh, against Australia. Uh, he's done pretty well, did very well yesterday against Pakistan, and that's uh, no uh, easy feat either. But um, I like the look of how he plays. But as you say, uh, it is a World Cup. It is uh, very much a World Cup. And I think you, uh, I kind of think you can't, when you name a squad and you put a player in there, you can't close your mind off to thinking that you're going to use him. That's the thing that interests me about that theory. Um, I, I can understand why they're not playing Martin Guptill uh, in the series because you know what you're going to get 
out of Martin Guptill. He is still, I look at that team, he's still the, first, the best fielder in the team. For me, Nick, anyway. Yeah, well, 100%. I was just going to say that as well. He's probably he's probably a 10, 15 run fielder every game as well. And, you know, I think I think that, you know, it's not, especially in our batting order, we haven't got, apart from Kane, we haven't got a huge amount of experience, you know, now that Ross Taylor's gone. Like your Phillipses, your Chaplin, um, Grace Wells, they're all pretty inexperienced at the national level. And, you know, we saw, what, a month or so ago, no one's ever done anything in Australia as well, whereas yuppie has, you know, so I sort of find it hard to believe, to be honest. Yeah, I, I've got to say, I, I do. I, I find it interesting, and uh, I would have read to, too much into the form of uh, the Black Caps in that uh, previous tour to Townsville in terms of the conditions. Uh, Nick, I, I thought they were nothing like they're going to strike at the major grounds. They were slow, um, two-paced pitches, which Australia has never been known for. Martin Guptill likes the ball coming onto the bat. That's when he's at his best. Um, so I don't know if they could read too much into that uh, at all. No, I, I agree. The conditions are a bit different, but it seems like, as we've talked about on this on this uh, station quite a bit, is that the main, it's not so much adapting to the conditions. It seems to be sort of all up top, you know, the, the, the psychological barrier of playing against Aussie. Obviously, in a World Cup, you're not going to play all your games against Australia, but I think, you know, the extra bounce over there, Certainly, you know someone like someone like Finn who likes to, you know, pick balls up off the leg over, over the leg side. It's a lot harder fly as opposed to as opposed to you know Hagley Oval where you struggle to get it above above the nipple. Yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. So just looking at it from an overall perspective, Nick, uh, who are your favourites? Oh, I think you can't. Australia um, seems a couple of their key players seem to be finding form at the right time. Warner's, Warner's scoring at quite a few runs lately. Obviously, obviously the Poms um, beat them the other night, and they've got a very dangerous batting order. And I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't write off uh, India either. Things like Virat started to do a little bit more in, in recent times, and he's obviously got a pretty handy record in Australia, and especially in white ball cricket. So I'd probably say those three. If I was a betting man, which which I am, I would. I think I'd probably go. Probably be looking at Australia and India. To be honest, India. I don't know what the odds are, but I suspect India are um, got a little bit of value. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. Um, I would not be leaving England out either. I can tell you they are devastating at the moment. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, hey, Nick. Uh, thanks very much for your call. I agree with uh, all your sentiments there and. Uh, I'm just a bit worried, um, and, and you know, uh, you know, Finn Allen. I, I don't know the kid personally. Uh, he looks like he doesn't have uh, too many fears about how he's going to play, um, and quite clearly, he's impressed uh, Gary Stead and Kane Williamson and Co. In the relatively short time he's been there, enough for them to say, "You're our man." Come World Cup time. Interesting, Nick. Thank you very much, Cliff from Dunedin. G'day, Cliffy. G'day, Smitty. How you doing? Yeah, oh, good um, man. Good. That's good. Hey, look, Guptill. I don't really rate... Look, he's a great fieldsman. He's, he's been a great player. But in the 2020 game, I think his game doesn't really suit anymore. He's, when he's opening the batting, he always likes to take the first go. If something's not... If he got one up in the slot and he hit it over the top, he could go. He could get away. But I just find lately that he's, he's a bit of a shuffler on the crease. He's, he doesn't really turn the strike over as good as, as some... And with um, the the opener now, not Finn Allen, um, oh, I just lost Conway. His name. The, uh, 
Colm, with Conway opening, you need more of a dasher at the other end who's going to play shots. You don't want you don't want Conway having to play big shots too early. But the fact with Gupta's, he's, he doesn't really turn the strike over enough. He, once he gets in, you know, if he can play a fit in the 50-over game and he's in there, say, up to about the 8th or ninth over and he starts getting middle in the ball and gets a few pitched up to him, he's, he's, he can go on and get that 100. But I just don't... He, in the 2020 stuff, I don't see him going out there and playing shots in the first over, couple of two or three overs, and that's when you have to play them. You... With such a short game, and you've got a big lot of batting there, you can't muck around in that first five overs, or suddenly you're 10 overs in and you've only got 60 or 70 on the board. And I think we need to be, you know, 185 is probably minimum in, in, in Australia, and that's a real minimum. I think, you know, you need to be batting first. You know, if they put you in, you've got to make 200, or you're just not going to be in the game. And, um, you know, Cliff, you make some very good points there, and I, I get where you're coming from. His form of late has not been good. He hasn't been striking the ball uh, that well. Uh, but we have a worry at number three for me as well, and that is Kane Williamson. That, that to me, is a big worry because um, he's not hitting it out of the park either. No, well, I'd certainly have Guptill in the squad. He would, he'd would be in my 15 or 16 to have there, but he certainly wouldn't be a starter unless... Like he could bat at at three, he could bat at four. Well, you know, he could open with Ben Allen, and they could bring Conway down to three if the captain was injured. And that's where I would have Guptill. He covers one, two, and three, and and everyone can move. But I like the look of Chapman and um, Phillips, and 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 then you've got your power hitters with Braceful and Nisham. Uh, it's a shame uh, Mitchell. Hopefully, he's right. Because I, th- I see Mitchell as being the New Zealand captain going ahead in the white ball. I think he's, he's, he's he, to me, he reminds me of Kevin Peterson. He stands up tall. He says, look, if you're going to bowl short to me, I'll pull you. I'll pull you in front of square. And if you, and if you, then if you pitch up, I'll put you over cover. You know, he's got all the go. And, and he doesn't mind standing there and, and putting his chest out and doing it. And to me, he's, he's the logical guy to take the white ball captaincy. Oh, look, I wouldn't even have Kane as captain after the series, after the World One Day, uh, the Twenty Twenty World Cup. I'd say to Kane, "You don't play anymore Twenty Twenty for us, unless we're ready. Unless it's a big thing, and you're really keen, we'll just make out. We'll make a team up, and and you, you're not in it. And that's where I see Kane. You've got to, you've got to look after him. He's got to be looked after. He's a Test man. He's a top player in the Test form, and he's still a good One Day player." But you can't muck around carrying them in these in these little bitsy games, making them play all the time, or he won't be like a John Embry or these guys who played lots of years. Now Kane could still play for us at thirty eight, thirty nine, but we don't want to drive him out of the team too quick. Okay, hey Cliff, I appreciate your point of view there. Um, uh, Kane, I, I'm pretty sure we'll want to keep playing T20 uh, international cricket because, of course. Um, with that kind of reputation, that kind of performance, if he performs well at that level in a World Cup. I mean, this is basically also this T20 World Cup. It's also um, a job a job opportunity. You, you excel here. You stand out here in this competition. Uh, you're on the market now uh, for a lot of T20 competitions around the world. If you're a standout player, if you're in the top two or three batters or the top two or three bowlers uh, in this T20 World Cup, your market value is amazing. 
absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, that's why people are desperate to play. Uh, Zade is uh, with us this morning. Uh, Zade, good morning to you. Pretty happy this morning. Um, Chelsea's playing AC Milan. They're up 2 0 in Milan. I saw that. I saw that. That's a very good result for them. Yeah, that's the team. Uh, about 15 minutes to go. And um, yeah, Graham Potter's new coach now. Four games in, going to be four in a row, including Champions League and Premier League. And they've got a game against Aston Villa on Monday, so that'll be a fifth one, I'm pretty sure. Aston Villa looked absolutely horrible. Um, they had a draw yesterday with Nottingham Forest, who also, I think, are going to go down. But I think they'll be done after this year. Um, and, yeah, and on the cricket, um, I think your last call was right. We need Buckdoor in the team opening with Allen, and maybe Conway at three, and Williamson maybe at four. Something like that, I think. Well, um, so, yeah, someone that yeah, was um, impressive yesterday was Michael Bracewell. I like Michael Bracewell's aid. I think uh, he's uh, just very new on the block. He's got that element of surprise, and he's uh, at the end of the day, I know the Bracewells, they're super competitive men, um, and so he's not going to back off in a, any sort of a fighting situation. So I like Michael Bracewell there. Uh, Kane Williamson, I think um, I, I'd look at him at four, but um, I really like Phillips as well, and Phillips is a match winner. Phillips is dynamic. Um, so you're looking really... Uh, if Kane Williamson doesn't bat at three, he doesn't play. And that's, that's uh, to me, that's a very big call. So uh, I think also Kane Williamson's got to be prepared if we get a really great start to float. In other words, put players up ahead of him. He's got to be flexible in that regard. We've got to that stage. I mean, Kane Williamson, the best Kane Williamson, no problem at all. But it's a bit like the Martin Guttel scenario. Um, perhaps not at their best at the moment. I'm not saying that uh, Kane Williamson won't get back to it. But for me, he is just not the player that we uh, know him to be because he has set such high standards over the years. He has to work very, very hard and succeed uh, to live up to them. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for your contributions this morning. Uh, The lads will make a decision on the uh, Chemist Warehouse voucher and let you know very shortly. It is uh, coming up to 9.46. Hi, Smithy. I think Williamson should stand down as captain in all forms. Keep him as a batsman. He doesn't attack enough for me as a captain. There is that school of thought. Uh, I agree with you. Um, and um, another text has come in. Hey, Smithy, sadly, Guppy has uh, one large World Cup performance, which is against the West Indies, that people continue to hang his hat on. The last three years, his average against teams ranked five or higher is just over 10. That is simply not good enough. New Zealand cricket are finally being bold and less conservative, taking a chance like Aussie or India would. India would. We shouldn't criticise that. We should applaud it. The punt on Finn Allen is a great step forward for New Zealand cricket. I know you love Guppy, but Father Time catches up with everyone and he's simply not there against the top sides any longer. Guppy was given his chance in the recent series and Aussie averaged 9.27. Is that good enough for an opener? Should we accept that or look elsewhere? Good points. Very, very good points. I totally understand that when it comes to the numbers side of things. Um, And it's very, very hard to argue with them. Uh, I think you're right. Absolutely dead right on the numbers side of things. um, So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just going into a World Cup and uh, I just hope that they believe that uh, Finn Allen has had enough cricket under his belt for October the 22nd when he has to front up against Australia uh, at the SCG in front of a packed house. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty cool if he can. Um, and uh, it's a massive challenge. Um, but it's nice to know that uh, you have someone with that kind of experience and that kind of ability in the field sitting waiting. And I hope that's enough pressure. 
Um, Hi, Smithy, uh, can you please ask Sam, Sam's gone, how do we watch the World Cup Rugby League, which TV company, please? Sam, uh, I can no longer ask. Logan, I can. Yeah, next best thing, I guess. Uh, The Rugby League World Cup will be on Spark Sports. So uh, if you you don't have Spark yet, I mean, now's a great time to get it because you're going to get the Rugby League World Cup. And, of course, you've got the Rugby World Cup. So it's a great time to kind of dip in and check it out. So that is where you'll find all the games. I'm keen to talk about it more later in the show, Smithy, if time allows because, I mean, it's something I'm quite heavily invested in. So, But for now... If you're wanting to watch it, Spark Sport is where you got to go. Spark Sport is where you've got to go. Okay, thank you very much for that. Uh, a home run for the Braves in the bottom of the ninth. A three-run home run, which makes it 7-6 to the Phillies uh, with one out. And uh, the stadium there in, in uh, Atlanta has gone absolutely berserk, as you would imagine. That's pressure. That is uh, playoff baseball in the MLB, and that's what we're going to be talking about after 10 o'clock. Uh, in the meantime, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have a multi. Well, we got up yesterday, which is fantastic. Uh, the Black Caps, uh, India, and Kansas City Chiefs all won. Today, we're going to the MLB with a couple of crucial games, of course, being playoffs. The Yankees to beat the Guardians at $1.45. The Dodgers to beat the Padres at $1.44. England to beat Australia at $1.87. Yankees, Dodgers, England to beat Australia on cricket tonight, and that will return us $3.90. Um, and uh, both the Yankees and the Dodgers are at home. Um, the T20 World Cup is on Sky, on Sky Television, and uh, Gary has texted and said the Rugby League World Cup, the Kiwis against Lebanon, will be on TV3, delayed on Monday morning at 9am as well. So there's your opportunity there. Uh, we have an opportunity, speaking of those, to speak to Shai Davidi after the break. It's all about Major League Baseball and the playoffs. Talking uh, baseball very shortly, we're going to uh, Toronto in uh, Canada where uh, Shai Davidi uh, makes his home and uh, Shai's been on the show of course before uh, because we're into uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs. It's a very important time of the year down to the last eight. So we've got the Braves against the Phillies. We just saw the Phillies knock over the Braves 7-6 in game one. Uh, All of these are best of five uh, in the first uh, round of the playoffs. Um, and then the Astros are at home uh, very shortly to the Mariners. Uh, Astros are favourites there. The Yankees are at home to the Guardians in Game 1. Um, and, of course, the Dodgers are uh, the other team uh, with home advantage in the playoffs, playing the San Diego Padres, who managed to get past. The Padres managed to, um, to win their wild card game uh, the other day uh, with complete ease, um, and uh, that got them through. So... Uh, we'll be talking to, hopefully, Shai Davidi very shortly um, with uh, uh, all his uh, particular predictions. Might also uh, see what uh, went wrong with his uh, season as well uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays because uh, it didn't work out too well for them. They had a mixed season. So uh, we're just battling to get through to him at the moment. Um, what is wrong with Sky Sport is uh, one of the texts that I've uh, got in. Uh, I have them for rugby, but no Women's World Cup or League World Cup. Well, it comes down to uh, the budding. I think we talked about that yesterday. Uh, the fact of the matter is um, these, uh, when they sell the rights or buy the rights, they don't buy them off New Zealand Rugby or they don't buy them necessarily off New Zealand Rugby League. Uh, they buy them off uh, the, the organisation that has the rights, which is World Rugby, um, at the time, or the, the company which possesses them, the broadcaster that has the rights, and then they on-sell them. 
Um, and so it, it comes down to money. It's as simple as that. It comes basically down to money because these things are about still at the end of the day trying to make a profit or minimise your loss. <clears throat> so that was the case, as we talked about yesterday with the cricket. Um, David White had, uh, in the end, quite an easy decision to make if it was uh, over money. Sky, Sparks' bid was uh, superior to Sky's bid at the time. Um, you know, and these these bids are also when you've got to put these things all into context. It's not just about uh, the money that you'd have for for buying the rights. Then you have your production costs, which in cricket are monumental. And uh, so you know it, you've got to absorb a lot of things on top of just buying the rights as well. So to make it profitable, you do a big exercise and you say, well, uh, when does it come? And it comes in in the middle of the night. Um, perhaps we're not going to get the viewership we would coming in through in the UK. So we make our bid with uh, as as high as we normally would if it was in the light of day coming from Australia or New Zealand. So they're, they're the kind of issues that you look at. So they would have looked at that sky and spark uh, when they came uh, to get it and the bid, uh, the bidding process. So uh, rugby in terms of the Women's World Cup uh, was a bit of an unknown. Um, obviously, it's going to be a, a raging success because uh, our team's going to play well and uh, England and France are there. Uh, and uh, it was just a bit of an unknown, so it wouldn't have been at the top of um, the list in terms of priorities for um, Sky at that point. Uh, they were looking at other things, and we've just seen in the last uh, two to three days the kind of announcement they've made going forward. Now, they've made a seven-year commitment uh, to World Rugby for all World Cups and things, and that is a, a huge commitment, seven years going forward. Um, so <clears throat> that is, uh, it's not just the case of, um, you know, we'd all like them to be on one. In fact, we'd like them to be free if possible, wouldn't we? To be perfectly honest, we'd love them to be free. But that is not the way of the world, and it's certainly not the way of the world in uh, places like America and Canada. Um, and Canada is where we're heading right now, where we uh, catch up with uh, Shai Davidi. Shai, of course, makes his home there now and is all over, all over the Major League Baseball playoffs, which have uh, begun in earnest uh, with a win this morning for. Uh, Philadelphia away from home against the Atlanta Braves. Shy, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. How are you? I'm very good. And if the standard uh, of baseball and the excitement of the games is anything to go by in game one, it's going to be a hell of a playoff series. Yeah, it seems like it. I, I only caught a little bit of it because uh, we were just finishing up some Blue Jays season wrap-up stuff here in Toronto. We were talking with the general manager here. Uh, but it uh, looked like a hell of an ending and Matt Olson making a close with that home run there at the end. Uh, but uh, certainly an interesting series and a super intriguing one that's going to start uh, with uh, L.A. and the Padres and, uh, and Seattle-Houston as well. Okay, then uh, let's uh, stay with the Blue Jays if we can, Shy, because there's a lot of interest uh, on this part of the world in uh, the Toronto team, um, perhaps because it's, uh, it's uh, you know, slightly outside the American side of things and we tend to go a little bit for the underdog or their outsider over here. But uh, how would you sum up the season? Obviously not making, um, not making it through to the last eight as such, uh, swept by the, Ma the Mariners in the wild card round. So if you had to sum up the season, what are you saying? It's it's really a tough season to frame. 
because in some ways there were successes. They were able to get to the postseason, which is something they didn't do last year. Uh, they won 92 games, won more than they did last year. It's only the second time in franchise history they've had uh, consecutive 90-win seasons. So a lot of good was accomplished, but it's it's very unsatisfying for a lot of people. And you know, even if the result wasn't as gutting as it was on Saturday when they blew an 8-1 lead in the second game and looked to be on route to really forcing a decisive third game uh, and ended up losing 10-9, I still think it would have been disappointing because this was a team that thought uh, it was uh, among the you know top three or four in baseball. It, it certainly had a right to think that based on the talent level but it did not perform to those expectations. And where that gap was between talent and execution is some one area where they need to spend a lot of time on this offseason. Uh, certainly there are a couple of uh, holes on the roster that need to be addressed. But the bigger thing to me is why for the majority of the season and only towards the latter part of the season, did they not play to what their, their talents and capabilities looked like? Okay, so um, do they stick with the same guys or, um, or or will they be very heavily in the market going forward, do you think? Uh, there'll, there'll be a few changes, but the majority of, uh, of this team is under contract uh, for next year. They only have two, uh, two free agents. Uh, one of them is a bit more significant than the other, Ross Stripling. The other is reliever named David Phelps. And beyond that... Everyone can be back if the Blue Jays want them to be. So I expect there to be a couple trades, perhaps a few changes along the edges. Uh, but the bigger thing, if I'm running this team, I think it's to just keep adding players and just find ways to get deeper and find ways to uh, patch up a, a few of those soft spots, particularly in the bullpen. That uh, that to me would be the primary goal. So, you know, they're in a position where they can keep adding. Uh, they can certainly take some of their current players and reallocate them, whether that be to, uh, you know, a piece that directly addresses the roster, maybe towards uh, with an eye towards the future. Uh, but they, they have a lot of uh, a lot of ability to really sit back knowing the majority of their heavy lifting is done. It's more how do you essentially the, the house is built. How do you decorate the inside? Right, let's, uh, if we can, uh, please, shall I move across to what's going on at the moment and what j has just happened. As you pointed out, you were busy for most of the game, but uh, uh, that is um, for the Phillies. Um, it's a good scalp to go to the Braves and, and get game one. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that I, I believe a lot of people in baseball were going to be interested in, since this is the first year of the current format, was what does it look like for the teams that had the bye who have been off for, you know, close to a week. Uh, what does it look like for them when they face a, a club that's coming in hot uh, after winning a round in the wild card? And, you know, the, the, the prime point of thinking is that, you know, the wild card team is going to be beat up for a series. They're going to be maybe in not optimal shape. You know, they've used their top starters to get through to this round. Uh, and that would be an advantage for the teams that have had the buys. But, you 
you know, baseball is a game of rhythm and timing. And so uh, Atlanta certainly got stronger as that game went on. And I wonder if there's maybe maybe this is a a bit of an early measure on that. It's one game. So, uh, you know, be curious to see what the other three games end up looking like. But the Mariners were up uh, up early against uh, against Houston as well. So uh, I think that uh, that's going to be really interesting to watch from a bigger picture perspective. And, you know, the Phillies are now in a really good spot to to put some serious pressure on Atlanta and you know at minimum they're going to go home with a chance to win the series exactly uh, best of five series uh, as we said earlier so uh, and that rings true exactly the point about coming in hot uh, the Mariners 6-3 up now um, shy and uh, that is at the top of the fifth uh, after a, well, they led 4-0 at uh, one point after two innings so uh, that rings true with the point that you were making the Astros sitting waiting for them uh, and have had a bit of a sleepy start yeah, and look, the, that Mariners team is is riding a serious high, right? Because they thought they were going to be in a game three just like everybody else did, and they managed to find a way to fight off the Blue Jays and and for and 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 come back in that game after being down eight one, and then you know, get themselves a, a bit of a breather. And that that was important for them because their bullpen, just like the Blue Jays bullpen, would have been in very bad shape if there was a third game. And then whoever would have emerged from that would have been really beat up getting into Houston. So, you know, Philadelphia as well was able to, to win their series in two. And, you know, the only team that had to go three was uh, was the Padres. So I'm curious to see what that what that piece ends up looking like for them later on. But, you know, the Mariners have a bit of momentum. They've beaten Verlander. They still have uh, their guys. They'll still have Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray in this series. So it's a bit of an uphill battle right now for the Astros, it looks like. Game one this afternoon, a little bit later, is uh, the Yankees and uh, the Cleveland Guardians. Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees, Cal Quantrill on the mound for the Guardians. Uh, a lot of this will be about uh, Aaron Judge, as you can imagine as well. And uh, what did you make of uh, the 62 officially uh, hit home runs, which makes him seventh all time? Um, but uh, given that uh, most of those ahead of him were on performance and performance enhancing drugs, where does Judge's season truly rank for you? You know, for me, I've I've sort of moved on from litigating the the PEDs era versus the other era, and I just I'm not. There's never going to be a good answer to that, and so I, I just kind of more I'm looking at seasons individually and appreciating what he did, and you know the complete the completeness of Aaron Judge's season was absolutely remarkable, and we saw 61 was hit here in Toronto, and. In that series, he had 15 plate appearances. He saw 75 pitches, and I can't imagine if he chased more out of the strike zone more than three or four times in that span. That that was remarkable discipline under the circumstances, with uh, entire traveling parties around him, all waiting to for waiting for him to hit a, a home run. You know, he he's performing at a level that you rarely rarely see in the sport, and so. You know, whether you consider it the real record or this the, this record or just the American League record or just seventh on the all time list or whatever it is, it was an incredible season, one of the greatest seasons in baseball history uh, and one that should be appreciated, you know, regardless of the discussion around Bonds and McGuire and Sosa. So uh, Yankees favorite for the series then? They should be. I mean, the talent, this might be the widest talent disparity uh, of any series in, in the postseason. And that's not a criticism of Cleveland. Cleveland is a, a really 
pesky team. They've got good pitching. They play good defense. They're they're miserable at the plate because they just keep fouling off pitches, and they're really aggressive once again on the base paths. But the, this is a team that the Yankees should stomp. Now, the Cleveland has based its entire season on of ending what you, you know, what you expect of them. Uh, and they've definitely gotten every little bit of uh, every little bit of the talent that they have. They've got, they've, they've really maxed out on that group. And uh, there'll certainly be some rooting interest here for Cal Quantrill, a, a Canadian kid who's uh, about as tough as they come on the mound and, uh, you know, pitches, uh, pitches in a really tough, aggressive way. Uh, but, you know, the Yankees, have uh, one of the best pitchers in the game, Garrett Cole, starting in this one. They're rested. They've got their group. Uh, this this does look to be quite lopsided towards the Yankees, but the beauty of baseball, it's, it's a relatively small sample, and anything can happen. Well, uh, I'm not sure what will happen, but it seems to be that the Dodgers are pretty much the favourites on the back of a remarkable 111-51 season. Um, it has to be said, uh, Shy, that that's been a standout for them. Uh, they have the Padres, uh, who of course got through their wild card game today. It's uh, uh, Julio Urias uh, up against uh, Mike Clevenger, uh, and the Dodgers in this roster for this series have quite surprisingly left out their closer and Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, and and, and Kimbrell had struggled for an extended period of time and uh, really lost the trust of of the coaching staff. And uh, it was certainly an interesting decision to to keep him off, but. Uh, you, you know, you have to wonder: is is there something that he's that he's working through right now that you know they just can't uh, they just can't trust him in a game? But you, you just think about the stakes and each out meaning so much, and you know the potential for five games against an opponent that is very deep as well uh, and incredibly talented. There's just no room for experimentation right now, and you know Kimbrel's Kimbrel's season had been slowly devolving towards this and it's kind of incredible because you think about who he is and and what a what what a dominant closer he's been over such an extended period of time uh but it's the dodgers as we've seen have not been afraid to make bold decisions and tough decisions and and here they've made one uh that's certainly going to be talked about and debated for quite a while well i've certainly had the firepower to beat them um in the uh, combined, uh, I've won 14 of the 19 games I've played in this uh, regular season, and they've outscored the Padres by a combined 62 runs, which is phenomenal. Yeah, without a doubt. And look, these two teams have been building up with an eye towards one another for a while, and the the Padres have been looking up. And you know, part of the reason they made the Juan Soto trade uh, it, in back in July before the trade deadline was because they felt they needed that other dominant piece that could help them match up uh, against the Dodgers. And the same thing with acquiring Hayter. And they got a, a couple of the the more dominant players in the game, you know, one for their bullpen, one for their lineup. And they're really set up incredibly well now uh, to at least match up with the Dodgers from a lineup perspective. But the thing is that the Dodgers just have so much depth on their roster. There's so much surplus uh in terms of more players that you want to give playing time to than actual playing time to give uh, they're 
they're the model for everybody in Major League Baseball because of both the way they run at the Major League level, the Minor League level. Uh, they just keep churning out talent. They're just they're just deeper in every way imaginable. But the Thanks Padres real- have some very high end talent and and could blow up, could could blow them out of the water too. Yeah, uh, just finally, uh, Shy, before you let you go, we let you go, if you had to pick your World Series playoff right here and now, who would it be? I'd probably look to Houston and the Dodgers, and uh, even if the even if Houston drops the opener, I still do like them over the Mariners. Uh, I I think they're they're the class of the American League. Uh, I, the Yankees are, are talented, but a little bit flawed in relation to the Astros. Uh, so I, I still think Houston comes out of the American League, and I still like the Dodgers. You know, as much as I, I'd love to see the Padres break through, and I think it'd be a fun story. Uh, my guess is that we're we're looking at uh, Astros Dodgers, and and you know the Dodgers uh, the Dodgers hanging hanging tough, and maybe avenging uh, the ghosts of the, the twenty tainted twenty seventeen World Series. Shai Davidi, great catching up with you. Thanks again for joining us on the show, and. Uh... I look forward to uh, baseball action uh, over the next uh, two to three weeks. It's going to be fascinating. Cheers, man. Thank you. Yeah. Be well, guy. Enjoy it. Cheers. Uh, we certainly will. Uh, Shai Davidi there out of uh, Toronto. Uh, the Blue Jays is his team. Not involved at uh, the start of the season, uh, at this stage of the season, of course. But the big guns are still floating around. 10-21, speaking of big game, big guns. Uh, panel, very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy and Jamie Wall, two very experienced panellists uh, with us this morning. Uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, question one, how's the health? Health is, is good, Smithy. Yeah, yeah, we're um, yeah, we're making every post a winner at the moment. Uh, uh, someone was asking me when I'd be out on the driving race, though, and uh, I said I might be uh, working on my short game before I'm ripping the driver uh, for a while yet. But, uh, but no, everything's good, mate. Everything's good, thanks. Okay, cool. But uh, it's giving you the opportunity too to sit back and watch uh, some quality sport. And my God, Andrew, there's plenty of it going on, including, of course, the Women's Rugby World Cup. Uh, what did you make of it? Um, and and now the expectation um, heading into uh, week two with games split across uh, Whangarei and Waitakere with the Blackburns playing Wales. Uh, where do you see it sitting at the moment? Yeah, look, I mean, look, I'll, I'll just um, let, you, let you in on a, on a couple of things, I suppose. Um, look, I, what, a, what a wonderful start to the tournament, um, for, for starters, and a great spectacle, obviously, especially on Saturday, um, with the Black Ferns coming from, you know, 17 points down to, to then bounce back to a, a pretty emphatic win. Um, and in terms of what I'm looking for this week, I'm, I'm really looking to see if that, that interest that was sparked uh, on the first weekend of the tournament can continue. Um, some really interesting numbers that I, that I can share with you, or not numbers, but some facts, I suppose, um, that the delayed coverage of the Blackburn versus Australia game on TV3 completely outrated live black caps on, on TV1 on that Saturday. Um, and even on Spark Sport, the Wales versus Scotland game for Spark Sport uh, easily did more, more viewers than... For example, the Black Caps on that on that same Sunday, and the Formula One Grand Prix as well that was on. So, and from what I understand, anyway, what I'm told that um, three's ratings for the Black Ferns were particularly strong among the female and Maori Pacifica demographics. So that's really mm. encouraging, isn't it? And, that, and that's what you want to hear, I suppose, that, that an event like this um, has that has the the ability to reach uh, the audiences that that we want to engage with. And like I say, I just really hope that that engagement continues. 
um, not just you know from the, from the first weekend, but we see it go right throughout the tournament and see uh, people turn up and, and watch these games, watch the spectacle, and not just the Black Ferns as well, but but the other teams as well, because that's the great thing about hosting a World Cup, isn't it? Getting to see uh, different teams on your on your home soil, and um, yeah, would certainly encourage Kiwis to embrace it because it doesn't happen every year, does it? No, it does not. It certainly does not. Um, Jamie, uh, I'm assuming you went because of uh, your brief to follow rugby throughout this country is uh, so in debt. Uh, and if you did, uh, I've got to ask you, uh, what was the experience like compared to, say, a Bledisloe Cup test match uh, about uh, three weeks ago? Yeah, good morning, Smith. And um, I'm glad to hear you're feeling better, Gord, mate. Um, hopefully get you back on the horse soon, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I did go, actually all three games because um, <clears throat> uh, I just wanted to be around and, and see what the experience was for because I think if you just went for the Black Ferns um, game you're only really sort of getting that experience so I wanted to see what was uh, what was going on with the other with the other games and um, uh, the first first one was a little bit flat you know France versus South Africa you had a few French fans in there but things started to really come alive when the, the Fijian uh, women's team um, got on the field and a, as you know you know you could have Couple of uh, if you had a Tiddlywinks match and a Fijian was playing in it, you're going to get a whole lot of really loud supporters there. So there was there was a lot of support there, and uh, the Fijian women's team, you know, had a really good first half, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the rest of the game and uh, rest of the day. Um, the 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 energy around when the Black Ferns came out on the field and and did the haka and you know had the flames going and the, and really nice rendition of the anthem and it, like I think. Like like Gord said, the, the the demographic who was actually in the ground was a, was pretty different to the one one that you'd have for um for an all black test. Uh, not saying it is sort of better or worse than than the other. It's just different, you know. Um, like they marketed it to families, and families are the ones that showed up. Uh, a lot of kids, um, which is awesome. Um, you know, everyone was kind of just having fun, and the. Uh, the, the game itself, obviously, everyone was a little bit shocked that it didn't it didn't really go the way that the, the, the Black Points would have hoped in the, in the first half. Uh, but the um, but you know by the end of it, yeah, everyone walked away thinking like, wow, I just had, I had a really good time. Uh, it was a really good feeling there. Um, obviously, being a World Rugby tournament, everything's set up just differently. There's a bit more effort put into. Um, and I think that the, the because it's a World Cup factor. Uh, you know, you can't deny that that effect that it has on uh, the attendance, um, the viewing figures that were mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, because there's something at yeah, something really important at stake, which really, you know, is the first time that the Black Ferns have been playing at home, and there's something really important on it. Because really, when you think about it, they've either been playing friendlies or they've been playing matches against the Wallaroos, who they've never lost to. So for the first time, we're seeing a Black Ferns team, you know, really kind of under the sort of pressure that, that the All Blacks are, uh, are under every time they play. And so that's where that interest is coming from. And, and that's why in order for this team and for the sport to thrive, you need more meaningful matches um, to happen. And, and I think we saw evidence on the weekend, both on, on the field and on the TV screen, uh, that the, the, the audience is there for them um, to, to play these meaningful matches in front of. 10.32 here uh, with uh, Andrew Gordy and Jamie Wall. We'll take a short news break, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the black caps, I think. The panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 
Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall with us this morning. Um, and Andrew Gordy, um, interesting. Uh, it looks for all intensive purposes as if we're not going to see too much more of Martin Guptill. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I, I, look, I mean, you, you may well be right. And look, I've got to give credit to Finn Allen. He obviously um, came out yesterday and delivered a fine innings um, for the Black Caps against Pakistan. And especially, I suppose, in the wake of uh, the performance on the weekend, I think the Black Caps really needed to show something, especially against Pakistan. And, and they did just that, you know, between him and Devin Conway, put together a fantastic um, partnership that really, really put the game to bed last night. But I'm I'm certainly not gonna not gonna stand here and write off Martin Gustel. I mean, you, you simply cannot disregard the guy's experience. He's been there, done that um, for so many years. The the number of T20 runs he scored for New Zealand is, is you know absolutely outstanding. And I just think it would be I don't know a little bit foolish to, to write the guy off, and especially. You know, T20 World Cup in Australia. We know that Martin Guptill loves the ball coming onto the bat. Um, so I'm, I'm really reluctant to say it's a no from me. But, look, I mean, in, in some respects, I guess it's fair to say perhaps the writing's on the wall. Otherwise, you know, we would have seen perhaps a little more from him uh, in this T20 try series. Um, and, look, it's up to Finn Allen to take the opportunities when it comes his way. And he certainly did that yesterday. But, yeah, I'd be... I'd be a little surprised if, if Gary Stead and the selectors were prepared to just simply draw, you know, draw a line through Martin Guptill. He's just got so much experience and has so much to offer, um, particularly if it gets down to sort of pointy end of the tournament. But yeah, we'll have to see. I suppose. Well, I, I guess we will have to see. But we got a bit of an indication the other day when uh, Gary Stead um, said that they, he didn't envisage Martin Guptill in his starting eleven, and uh, that to me is quite unusual because Gary Stead normally. Uh, Jamie Wall plays his cards very close to the chest. Yeah, he does. He does, and uh, it, I mean, it's just interesting to to hear a coach say anything that that definitive. Not just not just Gary said, but anyone really. Because why why would you uh, say something like that? You know, like what Gord said. I mean, all it could take is an injury. We saw what happened with um, Daryl Mitchell just freakishly breaking his hand. You know, and then you're going to need someone to come in and for someone to have been told. Oh, we're not going to need you at all, and then <clears throat> have them come, come, come back from, on the phone, being, "Oh, hey, just kidding, <laughs> we do need you after all." I don't. I, I feel like what Gary Stead said was, a, yeah, a pretty, pretty clear indication that they want to go with Finn Allen um, from now on. And, and since then, you know, he's uh, Allen has backed up that that confidence as well. Um, uh, last night, and you know, and they've got Devin Conway there as well, and that, those guys are playing the role that Martin Guptill has, has done so well for New Zealand across, you know, what's been a really remarkable career that uh, he has. He's, you know, he, but, but like, like I personally, you know, like Gord said, I, I would back him to have that sort of experience um, in in tournaments like this. You know, the Black Caps. Uh, for all their faults, uh, do do well in tournament formats. Um, and I would think a guy like that would at least have, a guy like Martin Gupta would at least have a place in that setup uh, to to provide you know experience and guidance for some of the other guys. Andrew Gordy, Michael Checker did it to us uh, with Argentina against the All Blacks. Surely he can't do it against the, the Kiwis with Lebanon, can he? <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of brilliant, this, isn't it? And, and I suppose the one thing that pops into my head when, when I think about the prospect of Michael Checker coaching Lebanon against the Kiwis is 
who was the key to Argentina beating the All Blacks uh, in Christchurch? I don't know that it was Michael Checker, but it was the, the rugby league influence in his team. Like the defensive performance that Argentina put together was was really put together by David Kidwell, wasn't it? You know, the former Kiwis coach. So there's such a kind of a beautiful irony about this, this prospect now mm. of rugby coach Michael Checker coaching the Lebanese rugby league team against the Kiwis at a World Cup. Look, I'd, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, the strength of, uh, of Lebanon is quite not uh, on the same level uh, that Argentina is in, in a rugby sphere. But I suppose a, a bit of a bigger picture here I'm actually, I really like the idea of Michael Checker doing this sort of cross-code coaching, you know. We're, we're so used to, I suppose, the idea of, you know, the likes of um, Sonny Will Williams, Rogers Weaver, crossing code as a player, as a coach. And I know that, you know, they're completely different games, but there are, there are things you can learn and take from each respective code and apply to the other. So I suppose it will be intriguing, perhaps, to see what... Michael Checker can bring from rugby into the 13-man code and, and whether we see any sort of new and interesting ideas or, or patterns to emerge, I suppose, that we might see from Lebanon at this, at this Rugby World Cup. But, yeah, look, I mean, Michael Checker's just a great character at the very least, so I'm looking forward to that aspect. But, yeah, I certainly hope that Lebanon don't uh, cause an upset against the Kiwis at this, at this World Cup. I, I don't think they will because I genuinely think that the Kiwis are... Uh, are a legitimate shot at winning this thing um, over, over the coming weeks and months. It's going to be uh, going to be exciting to watch. Jamie Wall, uh, Stephen Perafeta, surely Roger Tuivasa-Shek, surely should be getting starting jerseys against Japan. Um, it has to happen, doesn't it? Oh yes, and I think I think Foster has uh, admitted as much um, as well. I mean, if if, <laughs> if he's not going to start them. In this test, when you know, why did he ever bother picking them in the first place? That uh, yeah, this this Japan test um, does kind of remind me a little bit of, of the last uh, All Black, uh, oh, sorry, the Northern Tour uh, in 2018, um, back when Steve Henson picked about 300 players to go up on that one, and there was a completely different All Black side that played in that game in Tokyo than the one that uh, played against England the next week at, at, at Twickenham. Um, I see that they've kind of just managed that situation a little bit differently by having this All Black 15 uh, team uh, there as well, which I presume the likes of Perifeta and Fakatava and RTS and, um, and, and and maybe a few others will play for, which therefore I, I still don't, don't really know what the point of the All Black 15 team is, whether it's a development team, uh, whether it's a, like an actual B team, or whether it's even just an invitational team, um, because you could make a case for them be, it being all three based on who the who and who they haven't picked uh, in, in it, um, and why those fixtures aren't just being played by the All Blacks themselves by using an old school midweek team um, in front of a crowd, uh, you know, people that <clears throat> would buy tickets to watch the actual All Blacks rather than the fake All Blacks play. I, I just still can't quite grasp like what what's really going on going on with this side at all. But I think we'll finally see RTS uh, and Perifeta having some decent minutes in a black jersey. Um, I still have some kind of uh, sort of a little bit of nervousness about this game against Japan. Actually, um, we've seen uh, in the last lead up to the last World Cup um, that Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown effectively took control of everything in Japanese rugby, not just um, 
just the national team, but everything that they can possibly get their hands on in order to start preparing the team for a World Cup. It looks like they've done that again as well with the, the Japanese uh, A-team playing as the Australian A-team. Um, and I think they're going to be in a really good place by the time this ta- uh, by the time this fixture rolls around. So the All Blacks better be preparing well for this one. Totally agree. Um, Jamie Walt, uh, yeah, there is uh, just a little bit of a scare about uh, anything that... Um, Jamie Joseph and uh, Tony Brown do together. Jamie Wall, thank you very much for your contribution this morning. Um, Gords, continue uh, that march towards uh, getting the the driver out, and uh, we'll speak to you guys again shortly. Thank you very much. Uh, It is uh, coming up to 10.43 here on SCNZ. In the next hour, we'll be talking to uh, Simon Child, of course, uh, veteran Blackstick, who is back on the side after a few years out of it. We'll find out the reasons why and uh, uh, how he's looking forward to extending his career, which started... Uh, 17, he started at 17 uh, he's played half his life for the Black Sticks so we'll talk to Simon after 11 o'clock uh, we'll also talk to Andy Thompson about uh, his show coming up of course the Rural Roundup uh, between 12 and 1 always on Wednesdays except in Auckland and Wellington and staff as well so uh, our key players coming into this afternoon's uh, broadcasting um, also we've got uh, a number of texts in here 2 or 3 on ratings now I've got to confess I'm not huge on television ratings I don't know um, if they're legit. Same with radio ratings, actually. Uh, whether they're legit or whether they're made up, or I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't. But uh, they seem to have some sort of importance when it comes to selling advertising and uh, people trumpet good ratings. So <clears throat> we'll wait and see. Um, but I know someone who does, and it's a fellow by the name of Logan Swinkles. Uh, he knows a wee bit about the television ratings. So uh, we're going to ask him to explain television ratings around about 11:20 uh, this morning. So uh, those texts, uh, please be patient, and uh, around about uh, half an hour's time, uh, you may or may not get an answer. Cookie's come in and said, hey, Smitty, why don't we make a drop-in block for cricket that replicates other countries playing wickets? We always struggle with the Aussie pace on their deck. If we had a drop-in here, we could then get some quality practice time before we went over to compete. Could also do one for India and other, other countries as well. Would be a heap of other benefits to come from it for the batters and bowlers. Just my thoughts, sick of losing in Australia all the time, Cookie. Uh, jump on the bus, there's plenty of, of us uh, on it. We don't like losing to Australia. Uh, and I think you've come up with a terrific idea, which I would imagine the, the turf consultants, and uh, there are plenty of them around, um, have probably tried to work this out, work through this. If they could come up with a practice facility in New Zealand which replicated Australia, uh, Indian and maybe English conditions, which are quite similar to ours, to be fair, Um, But those conditions which vary between pace, bounce, spin and slow, um, you'd make a fortune because then you'd market it around the world and you'd have all your bases covered under one roof, to be fair. If they could do that, uh, Cookie, uh, they would, uh, of course, benefit benefit the Black Caps. (coughs) And I I hope uh, at some stage they're looking into it. At some stage in the future, Cookie, you know it's going to happen. You just know with the, the, the way technology advances at such a quick rate. But good text, appreciate that. 10.50 here when we come back, Louis Herman Watt uh, and Pitt Morris. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. And Louis is with us today on a very busy Wednesday, not your standard one. Uh, 11 races at Avondale, uh, Louis, and also group racing out of Caulfield, I believe. J-Mac will win the first and the last, and that's all I've got to say on the matter. Whoa. Okay, mailman. Thank you, Smitty. Very sharp. Uh, noted. 
Now, Evan Dull, as you point out, race five is the best race on the card, but there are some nice ones going around. Lightly raced, lots of maideners, lots of maideners and first starters, so it'll be a good form meet. Quite often is Avondale, actually. Usually one or two pop up during cup week that come out of this meet from memory, uh, but race five is the best race on the card, and Stars and Cream is over the odds at $9 and $2.50. It's a competitive field. Quattro Quinters won nice races. Pure Imagination's got the OP factor, and due to win again, Baldar has been backed off the map in the Lance from the Lance Noble team. Pisco Sour in the Trelawney colours is a sharp mare now, and so is Highborn. But I think Stars and Cream is the one that's over the odds. Eight starts, three wins, a second and a third. Um, yeah, it goes really good, the Termi Loose mare. We know the Termi Loose is just getting better with age, but across the ditch, as you point out, well, there's obviously racing at Caulfield and lickety split. Andrew Forsman joined the show this morning. He is comfortable with where she's at, and so am I, to be honest. If the rain stays away, I think she wins. I genuinely believe that. That's in the Thousand Guineas, Group 1, race number 8. But what about at Warwick Farm? So you've heard about this horse, Pungor, that uh, our friend Israel Dag and our former colleague, Baz McCullum, um, are in the ownership of. Well, race two, how about this no deduction situation at the TAB? This morning it was $4.80. $4.80 sitting there for the absolute taking. Now it's eighty because decimate, <laughs> the field has been decimated with scratchings. One, two, three, four, five. Five horses in the race, the eighty favourite. The bully was, if it wins, it's going to, the, it's going to go for a, to a race at Derby Day. That's what Izzy reckons anyway. So I think he should start packing his bags and put the black suit on the, in the uh, suit bag, mate, because he's off to Australia, I'd say. Okay. Louis Herman Watt, that'll be interesting. Uh, Derby Day, I'd hate to bang into him there, uh, of all places. Right, okay, let's get across to uh, Pip Morris uh, from the TAB. Uh, Greyhounds out of Palmerston North today, eight races there, and plenty of sport options, Pip. Good morning, Smithy. Yes, certainly is. I like Kirksey in the last at Palmerston North if you're looking for one off the ace alley. And Hot Little Zeus is my next best fact. It's part of the boosted odds. You can get 250 around him. If you go to the homepage on the racing uh, site on tab.co.nz, you can get 2.8. You can also get boosted odds around She's Lickety Split. $5 now, Smithy, in the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas. And Sharp and Smart as well for Team Rogerson has also been boosted. And then on the sports side of things, for the Rugby League World Cup, look, not too much action yet on the Kiwis. You can get them boosted to win at around 5.50. That's been popular. And also just a little bit of a spec on them at $340 in the start, 31 and a half at 187. And Australia's been quite well-backed as well. There's so the 38 and a half to cover that point start at 187. There's been $1,000 on that. And two $500 bets as well on the point start against Fiji. So plenty for hundreds to sink their teeth in today. Absolutely, Pip. Uh, you have a wonderful day. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, as his horse, eh? Pungo with Baz. $4.50 into $1.60. That is a sizable, a sizable investment, probably on both sides of the Tasman. Simon Child next, uh, veteran, Blackstick, back in the fold. Great news. It's 11 o'clock. So uh, talking to Andy Thompson just before, um, uh, about quarter to uh, 12 actually, so we'll uh, find out what's uh, on Andy's agenda today. But so much talk about uh, emissions, isn't it? And uh, the cost of emissions and who's actually going to pay for all this sort of thing. Um, and I imagine you and I, uh, when it comes to, uh, to buying our dairy products and our lamb and our beef, etc., not that they're cheap anyway now, are not going to be any cheaper going forward when someone has to foot the bill uh, for this latest 
policy from uh, the government. So um, that uh, will be interesting as well. Uh, talk very shortly to uh, Simon Child. Um, and um, any texts that come in, double eight, double three, just keeping an eye on um, the second of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Um, and that involves uh, Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros after six innings. Um, the Mariners uh, have jumped out to a 6-3 lead and uh, are looking pretty good, I think it's fair to say. So uh, we will keep you updated with that, you uh, baseball fans. Football fans might be interested to, to know the uh, scores this morning from the Champions League matches. Uh, and uh, FC Copenhagen held Manchester City to a draw nil all. Uh, Maccabi Haifa, which is a team out of Israel, uh, they beat Juventus 2-0. What a great win for them. Uh, Zay's happy because Chelsea beat AC Milan 2-0. Uh, RP Leipzig uh, beat Celtic 2-0. Uh, Dynamo Zagreb beat uh, and Salzburg, actually. They drew one all. Uh, Borussia Dortmund and Sevilla drew one all. Paris Saint-Germain and Benfica drew one all. As did Chuck Donetsk and Real Madrid. They also drew one all. So uh, if you were taking one alls this morning against the football, you'll be able to buy a beach house, I can tell you, right here and now. Uh, Simon Child uh, joins us this morning and yesterday uh, Hockey New Zealand named an 18-strong black uh, stick squad to play India and Spain starting uh, at the end of uh, this month uh, and then of course uh, heading in, this is part of the uh, Pro League but it's uh, heading in towards the World Cup as well which is in January in India also. Uh, Coach Greg Nichols has uh, almost full complement of players uh, which includes uh, the return of Simon who joins us on the show this morning. Uh, thanks very much for your time mate. G'day, Smitty. How you doing? Oh, I'm going really well. Uh, great to see you back in the ranks. Um, and, uh, of course, you, you pulled away uh, for to sort a few things uh, out on the home front and, and personally in terms of business, etc. So uh, you, you feel uh, everything's right for, for a return, yeah? Yeah, look, I'm feeling good. Um, I'd always hope to come back at some point in time. Um, and when you're kind of in your early to mid-30s, life comes at you pretty quickly in terms of, um, of work and, and family. So um, I just had to prioritise those two things um, over hockey for a period of time. But everything's, everything's in order. Um, I've got a very supportive and encouraging wife and business partner who have, um, who have given me the green light to, to give the World Cup a good crack. So, Matt, I'm looking forward to it. Simon, you debuted against Malaysia back in 2005 at the ripe old age of 17. You've spent half your life in this team. It means a hell of a lot to you. Yeah, it does. Um, and I had that thought the other day that um, I had basically spent half of my life playing for this one particular team. Um, so when I turned up to training the other day for the first time, although it had been almost three years since I'd last been with the team, it felt <clears throat> it felt strangely normal um, being back in, in the mix. And, like I know a lot of the guys who are at training. I know Greg Nickel, uh, the coach, really well because he's been involved um, a couple of different times as, as assistant coach um, throughout my career. So we've got a really promising group of guys, um, and I'm hoping that I can um, just get back to where I left off, more or less, um, add a bit of value to the guys up front and, and possibly through the midfield, and um, and give the World Cup a good crack. How how fit and hockey fit uh, do you feel you're at? <laughs> They're two different things, um, and the game's probably gotten a bit quicker since since I last played. But I've been working hard um, just to maintain kind of you know a pretty good level. But I think being hockey fit and just being um, lifestyle fit are two very different things. So um, there's some work to do for sure. But I'm confident that you know with um, some good trainings uh, and some important games coming up in India that um, I'll, I'll get that um, back up to speed pretty quickly. Simon, in your 284 games for New Zealand thus far, you've scored 142 goals, which is not too far away from uh, Phil Burrows, um, so you're only about eight behind. Is that is that something on your mind? 
Oh, mate, I thought about, I, I've thought about it. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't. Um, I hadn't thought about it. And Phil's a great mate of mine, um, and he taught me a heck of a lot when I was um, a whippersnapper first first in the team. So I, I own um, I own a lot. So, mate, I think um, you know the Black Sticks team. We've we've done really well at times. Um, we've also let ourselves down at times. And I'm talking about my career um, as a whole and at an, an important events like the, the Olympic Games and. And World Cups, we've got ourselves into into really good spots and haven't quite kind of fulfilled our potential. So I think um, you know the World Cups a really good opportunity to, to potentially right those wrongs. But if I could um, you know if I could walk away from the game having you know scored the most goals ever for a New Zealander, I think that'd be a pretty cool legacy to leave as well. Absolutely, it would. Um, and quite clearly, uh, whilst you haven't been actually with them in person and um, playing for them. You've kept an eye on things over the last few years, uh, and and as you said, the, the the style of hockey too. Yeah, look, it's, it's hard um, with the COVID kind of two-year, I suppose, hiatus. The the guys really struggled to get um, many international games in. So, I I watched a bunch of games from from my living room at home, and it's always hard looking from the outside in. Um, but I think the potential's there. It's just about finding a. Um, in my in my opinion, and I've had a bit of a chat with Greg, sort of in the in the lead up to coming back. But I think just finding a um, a style of game which suits the team and suits the players, and, and one that's conducive to winning games in a tournament environment. So World Cups, obviously, you know, six or so games in the space of ten days. Um, you got to play a style of game that's going to give you the very best opportunity to win games at the back end of the tournament. So um, I'm not sure the guys quite had that um, had that in mind at, at the Com Games didn't quite go to plan, but I'm confident that um, you know there'll be some good lessons learned from from that and oh. uh, ones to take into the World Cup. I would imagine um, you know there will be a lot of uh, of the players that um, will be wanting to glean information from yourself and experience from yourself. But I would imagine that uh, is a two way street because uh, when you've had a bit of an absence, you you need a bit of a catch up yourself uh, in terms of tactics, the game itself, um, you, you know, those combinations around you? Yeah, I think um, that's probably the biggest focus area for me is just to make sure that I'm playing well, first and foremost, before I'm trying to um, give too much advice here and there, but but also just to try and try and gel, as you say, and build some combinations with um, particularly some of the younger guys and newer guys who I haven't played, um, you know, a lot of hockey with in the past, so I think we're not going to have a lot of time to, to to do that and to prepare um, majority of the team coming from club competition in, in Europe will be um, will be meeting us in India, so we should have maybe four or five days together before our um, before our first two games against India. So um, we're going to have to learn quick and we're going to have to adapt um, quickly as well. But you know we're confident that um, that we can do it. New Zealand currently uh, sitting ninth in the world rankings. Uh, Simon, India are fifth. Spain are eighth. Tell us a wee bit about the different styles that um, you get from India and Spain. Um, India, India have come come on sort of leaps and bounds in the last, I'd say, four or five years. They've obviously kind of the home of hockey. Um, I think they've won more gold medals than, than anybody else, but they hadn't won for a, a long, long time. So they picked up a they picked up a bronze medal um, in Tokyo, and they've been there or thereabouts for, for quite some time now. So they're they're incredibly fast, incredibly skillful, um, and they love to shoot from anywhere. And they've also got deadly penalty corner um, flickers. So we're going to have to be on our game and make sure we're not giving them too many open looks of goal and certainly not conceding too many penalty corners because um, they're big guys and they love to just to rip it as hard as possible. Um, and Spain, Spain, have been, Spain have always been a thorn in our side um, for a long time. They're just niggly, um, niggly opponents. They. 
they probably, um, a little bit like us, they probably haven't been performing as well as they um, would have liked to over the last, I would say, sort of Olympic cycle. But they've always, um, they've always sort of punched above their above their weight when it comes to, to the World Cup and, and Olympic Games. Um, so they'll be difficult games for sure. Um, they love to play on the counter attack as well. They love to play with speed and a bit of flair, uh, and they also love to get under get under your skin. So um, we'll be making sure we dish out as much as we're getting from them. And, and the amount of homework and the, the background knowledge you just gave us there leads uh, me to my next question, which is just how much uh, hockey has changed since uh, you came into the side and in terms of its sports science, in terms of its technology, um, you know, those, those forces that uh, provide you with information about sites um, pre-encounter. How, how much is hockey? Uh, we know it happens in lo- uh, a lot in rugby and cricket, etc. How about uh, hockey? Yeah, I think for as long as I can remember, um, we've been we've been videoing our games, we've been analysing our games, we've been breaking you know certain um, aspects of our opponents down, and um, it's a, there's like several several ways that you can kind of um, cut up and dissect your opponents uh, and, and figure out their strengths and weaknesses. So that kind of sports performance and analytical side of the game has always been present, um, certainly since the time I've been playing. I actually remember. When I was very first in the team in 2006 on a European tour, if you didn't make the 16 to play, you actually ended up in the video tower, video in the game um, on behalf of the team. So, uh, and in terms of how much has the game changed, look, it's, it's gotten faster um, since I left, but the, the, the principles are all there. It's all about it's all about possession. It's all about um, controlling the tempo of the game, getting possession in the opposition half, um, getting yourself into the circle as many times as you possibly can, earning shots on goal, penalty corners, and, and conversely doing the same, you know, keeping your position out of the D, not conceding corners. <clears throat> and when you do, making sure that your penalty corner defence is, is absolutely rock solid. So the fundamentals are all exactly the same as they were, probably, and they probably have been for the last 15 to 20 years. It's probably just the speed and the nature of the game. Um, and I'd say also the skill level, I would say the skill level across the board um, has probably improved as well. Simon, I, I just wonder with the... the you know, the support group exec, you, exec, um, that you've got around you that you mentioned before, obviously, um, wife and, and the various people that you rely on. I just wonder when you decided to come back and and, and uh, have another go at this point in your career, uh, how far down the track you were looking? I mean, there's an Olympics in uh, 2024 in uh, Paris, which is not too far away. I, I just wonder, optimistically, body holding up, etc. how far out you've set those goals? Yeah, look, it's not um, nothing set in stone, and I think my immediate focus is just to um, to get myself in as great a shape as possible and make sure I'm playing really well for these for these upcoming games in India and give myself a really good chance to get selected for the World Cup. Um, and if that all goes to plan uh, and the body's feeling good and you know things are things are all good on the home and, and work front, then um, certainly I haven't I haven't ridden um, Paris off. Uh, I probably wouldn't play for the for the entire time between between now and then. I'd um, take a little bit of time in between, but certainly um, if everything was in order, then it's um, it's there for me for sure. Well, the World Cup is not too far away. Um, we're we're looking really at about about uh, three months, in fact, to be honest. And the good news is uh, you're going to get some acclimatisation being in India. But the group is an interesting one that New Zealand is in with the Netherlands, Malaysia, and Chile. That is a group that you would hopefully look to progress through? Yeah, I think so. Um, all of those teams, um, you know, barring Chile, who we haven't played a heck of a lot. I think I remember playing them a couple of times up in Northland uh, around 2007 or 2008. Um, 
over summer. But, you know, the Dutch, we always match up really well against the Dutch. Um, they don't like playing us because we're, we're too physical for them. They love to play a pretty game of hockey and we can get in there and, and disrupt them. Um, and we've had some really good results against them in the past. So that's a matchup we're looking forward to. And then obviously Malaysia, who are a really dangerous team. Um, it'll be nice to play them in uh, slightly cooler conditions than normal. We generally play them in Malaysia when it's about 45 degrees on the turf and 130,000% humidity. Um, so they're a really dangerous team too. They're, they're quick on the counter-attack. They're really skillful guys and they um, they sort of back themselves on at penalty corner time. So there's some, definitely some good matchups uh, in that pool for us. So I'm sure we're confident of um, you know progressing. So, Simon, you've got this um, mini-tour coming up now. Uh, what is the program leading into that for the Black Sticks, and what is the program leading out from that prior to the World Cup? Well, we've obviously got these four games uh, coming up at the end of the month, and then uh, yet to be confirmed, but I think Hockey New Zealand are um, in talks with uh, the Kookaburras about a home or away test series around December, which I think would either be possibly in Auckland or um, somewhere in Queensland. Uh, in December sometime. So those will be um, those will be really important games for us. Um, you know, the Aussies are probably uh, up there as as favourites with the Belgians for for the World Cup, and they've been um, they've been performing really well sort of in the last 12 to, to 18 months or since since Tokyo um, since the games. So if we could get some some games against them, that'll be invaluable for us leading into uh, leading into the World Cup, and then. Um, team departs for, for India on the 3rd of Jan, so there's, there's more than likely going to be a couple of practice games again. Mm. Some other, some other well, things got, before, we, before we kick off, so it's, comes, it's coming thick and fast. I've got to say, um, I'm just looking through the squad and uh, to see your name there, um, I've got to say, for a guy that's followed hockey for a long time, it gives me a nice little bit of reassurance, Simon. So it's nice to see that you're, you're back in there. Uh, we appreciate your time this morning and wish you all the best in that uh, series initially and then uh, hopefully going forward for the Black Sticks for a few years to come. Cheers, mate. Thanks for your time and all the very best. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, Simon Child there, folks. Um, 284 caps. Uh, man, that's amazing. Um, and, um, you know, with that comes 142 goals. He has a genuine strike weapon for us. Uh, we have been struggling. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we have had a ranking a lot higher than ninth uh, in the, over the years. And that's where we sit at the moment. And I'm sure that Greg Nickel will be absolutely thrilled to have Simon Child back in the ranks uh, alongside those guys who are the future of New Zealand hockey. Wish the Black Sticks uh, all the best in their little trek to India coming up very shortly. It is uh, 11.18 here on SENZ. And when we return, we may well be able to provide you with some answers about those ratings through Logan Swinkles and his vast knowledge. Uh, time for a break. 7-3 to the Mariners uh, in the seventh innings uh, over there. Uh, so, uh, Smithy, here's uh, a couple of texts for you. Is there any data on viewing figures, Spark versus Sky? I have Sky, and as a pensioner, will never add Spark or pay-per-view. I'm a big cricket fan and have missed the Black Caps' golden years whilst I've been on Spark. I wonder, though, how many young fans are missing seeing their heroes or heroines. Uh, and uh, just to back that one up, I live rurally. I can't get Spark sport. I just wish there was a way Spark and Sky could partner up and deliver through uh, the Sky platform, $35 per month through Sky. It's not about the affordability in the rural areas, it's the accessibility. And a lot of uh, New Zealand is rural, of course. Uh, Richard has come in and said, Smithy, how does ratings work? Personally, I've never been asked what I watch, uh, and there could be any amount of people watching uh, TV, uh, especially in bars. Could also be surfing between channels, as many of us do, of course. 
it's got me buggered. Well, Richard, I'm a little bit with you, and I've been in the industry for a long time. So let's go to Logan Swinkles uh, with uh, a bit of a breakdown on how he sees it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been in the TV industry for a while as well. This is actually uh, my first step away from TV doing uh, radio here at SNZ. But Smithy, uh, and to everyone who's kind of been wondering how the TV ratings work, so it's monitored by a com- uh, ratings agency here in New Zealand called Nielsen. Uh, they measure both 5 plus as a demographic and 25 to 54, which of course is the big money maker. Now, the way that it is measured, though, uh TVs and bars, not counted. It is measured through what they call people meters, and there's around 900 to 1,000 out there in New Zealand. Uh, And the way it all works is it collects data, both at the time you're watching, what you're watching, how long you're watching for, and also who is watching. Uh, From memory, everyone in your household has an individual profile, and so if you're watching, you kind of register that you are watching and then same if it's mum or dad or the kids or whoever. So the idea of that is it's meant to reflect the, the, the population. Those numbers are taken and calculated through those 900 to 1,000 households to then re- reflect the rest of us. So it is a very small sample size when you think about it, when you think about the size of our population uh, in New Zealand, Smithy, and of course now with streaming services and that, uh, I believe they are also accounted for. It's a lot harder to get ratings information these days compared to what it used to be. There used to be this really amazing website called Throng that released uh, ratings updates every day, and it used to be a point of contention, a uh, point of discussion every day when I was working at TV3 about where we were placed. But you know, things change, viewing habits change, and a lot moves towards streaming services. And that is why now we're seeing the rise of more and more and more, uh, especially, you know, you've got Sky Sport now, Spark Sport, and there's there's going to be more. I'll tell you that. There will probably be more players in the field at some point. Yeah, there will. Uh, there's no doubt about it because there certainly is money to be made if you get the balance right. But uh, just going back to those um, particular places, those 900 to 1,000, which is a very small sample size, as you said, they never change? Uh, I believe they may change. Uh, I don't know how often they rotate around. Uh, I think they try to keep with the same ones for a while there. I know I've never been involved in a Nelson family. I remember one time I think I was a kid staying with my grandma on the North Shore and someone knocked on the door and asked what I'd been watching. I think that might have been before people meters were around, but no, uh, I don't think they chop and change all that often, Smithy. So what do you say to people who live in the rural areas then, Logan, who um, quite clearly um, at this stage are limited in what they they can perhaps access because of uh, their location? Yeah, I... That is a hard one. I definitely sympathise with you know the rural com- community, and there's a lot of sporting fans out there in those communities as well because the infrastructure is not quite there. Uh, I will say, at least we're not Australia. They're far worse off than we are, but that's their problem. That's not ours. The, it'll come, and it takes time to build that infrastructure. I've been using streaming services since. I want to say 2011, uh, back when NHL TV was still an option here in New Zealand, and that kept building up, MLB TV, NFL, International Game Pass, and all the like. Uh, It just keeps building up, and back then, 
I was on, you know, we didn't have fiber. <laughs> we had a uh, dial up and that was a struggle, but still made it work. But it'll come. I, I know it's frustrating now when you want to see the sport that you want to see, you want to support the black ferns, you especially want to support the black apps. You know, that's one we hear a lot, Smithy. It'll come. And I mean, maybe just for now, uh, if if you have someone who can help you out, I don't know, there, there must be someone that you know that's got a better internet connection than you. Go buddy out with them. Go watch the game together. Isn't that all what it's all about, getting together and watching together? Uh, yeah, I suppose it is. But then um, sometimes it's a pretty private thing watching. You know, you, you, you don't like people around you watching sport. I mean, <laughs> I, I find, you know, you don't. Uh, I mean, you just like to be in your own little world yes. and you like to watch it by yourself. Uh, the other thing, of course, is uh, is that how radio ratings work as well? There used to be things actually called a book. Um, I think there was a thing called a book and they actually sent them out. Does Does that still happen? <laughs> I wouldn't know, mate. It's my first, yeah, my first year in radio. Robin knows. Yeah, Robin, but I, I, I hear the books yeah. do still get sent out. Um, I haven't got one uh, personally, but yeah, we learnt about it at uni. Okay, it's interesting. So that, that, that was what my understanding was. You actually physically sold out books, you filled it in, uh, and you basically, they, they either collect it from you or you send it back, whatever. And that's how the whole uh, radio rating system was based around the country. And that again, was a very, very small uh, selection of the actual population. So uh, it is. It's very, very subjective, isn't it? I think, fellas, that's, that's, that's mm. the thing to acknowledge. It's, it's very subjective, um, and you just hope it is a fair reflection of, of what goes on. Uh, there's no doubt about it in this country that uh, the more sport that goes free to wear, the more people watch it. Uh, and, I mean, that is just common sense. And, you know, New Zealand cricket have, uh, have uh, been very happy with their free to wear Ratings. I imagine they've been pretty good, although Andrew Gordy pointed out um, in our panel this morning um, that some of the stuff that's uh, been on um, uh, on other channels has uh, clearly outrated the Black Caps this time around, including, of course, the, the Women's Rugby World Cup. So yeah, hundred percent subjective. Yeah, all subjective. I mean, the, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just lastly on that, quickly before we uh, get ready for stumps, but the. I mean, free is very important as well. I mean, it's something that, you know, we have a lot more access to. And when you think about those rural communities, freeware TV is what they've had. It's what they know and it's what they have. So we see in one thing with Sky is they have such a continued commitment with having stuff on free to air via their prime platform. That's what they use. And that is doing great things for them as well. We're seeing with Spark. They've previously, you know, they partner up with TVNZ for the cricket. Now we've seen them partner up with three for the Rugby World Cup and the Rugby League World Cup. And uh, from what I've seen, that in in terms of the rules that World Rugby say, you know, you can't lock everything behind a paywall. You have to make some stuff available. And by by all accounts, Sparksport are actually probably putting out more on free to air than they're actually, you know, legally, not legally limited to, but that's just... I guess the benchmark they're, they are saying they're being generous in what they're offering to three which is great come semi-final time and hopefully the Black Ferns are in it we're all going to be watching it live free to air so that's going to be awesome and yeah I think as long as they continue that free to wear platform support uh, then that hopefully covers a lot more bases Cheers mate you go and hop over to the other chair thanks for that insight and uh, get ready for Stump Smithy which is uh, on very shortly 0800 1508 dollars from the TAB up for grabs uh, today. Uh, and just uh, finally on the the pay-per-view things, uh, to be honest, they, they fund the sports. Uh, they do. Uh, the likes of Spark and, and Sky and uh, 
you know, the, the, they're the principal funders of sport in this country. And um, there would be little point in them putting and making very big deals with uh, free-to-wear companies um, and putting bucket loads of sport free-to-wear because it defeats the purpose of what they're all about. Um, and they'd lose a, a truckload of money. Uh, and it's a business. At the end of the day, it is an absolute business with uh, some very, very big numbers involved in it. It is 11.32. Our, our number is 0800 150811. We're only playing for 50 bucks today, not the uh, town clock. But uh, it's important to win because you can turn 50 into 100, to 200, to 300 with a little bit of luck. Uh, here's Araha with the news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, it's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. Bit of stumped by Smithy here on SNZ Mornings, potentially. We'll see how we go. But up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet. Smithy, there's a category in here today. I know it's very near and dear to your heart, so we'll see if the listeners pick it. But how are you feeling about today? Yeah, pretty good, actually. Uh, I like Wednesdays. Wednesday's good because it's the first decent race day of the week and there's a lot of sport on and uh, at the moment it's it's just blanket to blank. Blanket coverage of everything, wall to wall, as they say. Um, regardless of what service you're looking at, looking at uh, there's plenty of sport on. So what are the subjects today and who is uh, the first victim that we've got lined up for this Wednesday? <laughs> well, the first victim coming up to the crease, we're going to Abha and it's Richie. Come in, mate. G'day, Logan. Hey, how you doing? Sounding a bit windy down there? Um, oh, it's always, it's Wellington. <laughs> fair play, fair Probably play. Probably how we won the rugby on Saturday, because it was so windy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we won't go, don't, we won't don't go, go into that. It's a dagger, it's a dagger, a kick to the solar plexus, so move along. What are the subjects today, please, uh, Logan? <laughs> the topics today, we've got the Black Ferns, NFL and golf. Take your pick, Richie. Black Ferns. Oh, okay, you don't want to take Smithy on golf? No, all right. Good luck. <laughs> all right, Black Ferns, talk of the town, let's go. To date, only one woman has been the head coach of the Black Ferns. Can you name that Wahine? Oh, let's go, Anna Richard. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Anna Richards is uh, a good answer, but it's it's not the right answer because uh, Anna Richards, of course, is still actually coaching. And it's not that long ago um, that she was, in fact, um, coaching. I'm just trying to think. A head coach. This has got me baffled a wee bit, uh, to be perfectly honest. I I can't uh, I can't perceive the fact that um, Farah Palmer's ever coached them. So I'm battling a wee bit, um, and I should know this. But I can't, so um, I think I've got to hand it over. All right, well, the, know uh, this. the answer I was looking for, 1994 to 1995, Vicky Dombrowski. Wouldn't have got it, sorry. Sorry, Vicky. Humble apologies, Vicky, sorry. It's all right. Uh, second question for you, Richie. In the Black Ferns pre-World Cup 95-12 to 12 dem- demolition of Japan at Eden Park, how many tries did Portia Woodman score in that game? Seven. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. A cold, hard seven, Smithy. How insane was that? 
Well, I saw them. Uh, I just saw them, and it was just like, wow, it's just a procession. And what she's called, uh, she's just, it's like, Por I call it Porsche's Garden now, uh, not Eden Park, it's just Porsche's Garden. And uh, she just um, plucks uh, trees out of the, every, uh, tries out of all the trees that are there. So she's a phenomenal finisher, there's no doubt about it. And with Ruby Tui, who is fast becoming the most talked about sporting person in the country at the moment, um, they've got some profile, they certainly have. Oh yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what if we had a statue of Ruby and Porsche one day, that'd be cool. Uh, last question for you Richie, Porsche Woodman was the top try scorer at the 2017 Rugby World Cup. Who did the Black Ferns beat in the final? Oh, it'd be the same team they beat in the final this year, so that would be England. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. England, Smithy. Can't do much about that. Uh, can't do much about that. Richie was uh, spot on the uh, spot on the mark there for what two out of the three questions. So, apart from Vicky Dombrowski, that will haunt me. But yeah, well, okay, Richie, you are a winner, my friend. Uh, stay on the line, and uh, Robbie uh, will be uh, getting your details confirmed. We can get that money to you as soon as possible, mate. Have a great day in the windy oh, upper cheers, heart. Logan. Cheers, mate. Thank you, uh, Richie. There, the winner this week. We'll have uh, uh, this uh, day. In fact, uh, we'll have another one for fifty bucks at uh, eleven thirty tomorrow morning as well. Uh, when we come back, we'll catch up with Andy Thompson. What's that? What's that? Breaking news. What well, you sprung on me here? Oh yeah, I got breaking news for you, Smithy. But it's it's the, of the sad kind. This comes from the Mad Butcher himself, Sir Peter Charles Leach. He's posted this on his Facebook. My day has just been shattered. He got a phone call from Mount Smart Stadium. 14 of his jerseys that were proudly displayed there have been stolen in a ram raid overnight. What? I, I you know. You are kidding me. I'm not. You are kidding me. I'm not. There's photos and everything. So uh, Sir Peter Leach has asked, if you hear anyone trying to flog off a Warriors jersey, please con contact him immediately because they are irreplaceable. Give them back, you pond scum. Just give them back. Drive your, go, drive your vehicle back and deliver them to somewhere, whether it's a, a mad butcher outlet or, um, you know, or if it's the police, if you've got the guts or anyone, or give it to someone else to drop back in. That is low life of the highest order. When you consider he's, what he's put in to rugby league over the years, he's got his own lounge, and you're going to drive a, a ram raid uh, in there and steal his property, you are lower than low. So get your act together. In fact, they won't be listening to the station anyway. Scumbags. Rightio, um, let's, move, uh, let's move right along, but that really does piss me right off. 11.42 here on SENZ. Right, uh, it's 11.47. Don't forget um, Andy Thompson's show, Rural Roundup. Uh, that is between 12 and 1 on uh, a number of our uh, outlets, except for Auckland and Wellington. Uh, normally we join uh, Andy uh, with uh, a little bit of a preview today, but we, uh, we won't be. Um, and I would imagine uh, that the bulk of it will be about the emissions and the reaction to the emission announcement by uh, the government yesterday from the National Party. Uh, so uh, look into and listen to that just after 12 o'clock. Uh, right, um, more breaking news. So we had that terrible news about uh, the Mad Butcher's jerseys being stolen, his property being stolen out of his own room uh, that's been there forever at Mount Smart Stadium. So uh, they drive in, they steal them all. Just fantastic, you heroes. 
Uh, we've had a number of texts in already uh, to suggest, um, you know, what kind of people these people are. Don't need to kind of rant on about it. I think you know what kind of people they are. Um, trying to impress uh, older people, I would imagine, and get some clothing equipment. Uh, that's generally the way it goes. Um, and not their own clothing. Uh, they want their own clothing equipment, not the mad butchers. After all, they're just doing things to impress low lives. Right, okay, let's uh, look at... Um, the other breaking news, play the theme and give it the full Monty because this is a big one. This is a big one. You're right, Smithy. This is huge. This comes direct from New Zealand football. Danny Hay will end his tenure as All Whites head coach when his contract ends on the 31st of, of October this year. Andrew Pragnell, the CEO of New Zealand Football, has said, I want to thank Danny for his time as always head coach. There is no doubt he has played a key role in the development of the team during a challenging period for international football. And while Danny was offered the opportunity to reapply for the position, we respect his decision not to put himself forward and wish him the best of luck with whatever he chooses to do next. The plan now for New Zealand football is to announce a new All Whites head coach as soon as possible once the recruitment process has been completed. So that is a big piece to fall, Smithy, and within the All Whites ranks. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, it would be nice to know um, uh, the details, whenever will, of course, of the contract offer that they gave uh, Danny Hay and uh, what Danny Hay was actually wanting and how far apart they actually were. Were there other mitigating factors within that too? Uh, to the extent it wasn't just a financial decision. But uh, it can't be denied that uh, Danny Hay was uh, the people's choice, uh, not that the people matter that much. And uh, he was also the one instrumental when uh, things weren't being done and it was hard to organise fixes, etc. Danny Hay uh, spent a lot of time overseas um, on the basis that he was uh, going around trying to get uh, uh, suitable fixtures for us, suitable types of opposition to try and prepare for the World Cup. He all but took us to the World Cup, I think it's fair to say. The uh, refereeing decisions uh, in that game uh, did not do us any favours against Costa Rica. Uh, most pundits, football pundits uh, around the place, believed that we were desperately unlucky not to be in that World Cup, which uh, at the end of the day was a huge goal for us, falling just short. But, uh, yep, uh, Danny Hay. Now, this was, um, I, I've got to say, expected in the circles that I move in. Uh, a lot of people were thinking that uh, this was not going to happen, that Danny Hay was not going to renew and now that we have that confirmation, there'll be a um, reaction to that all around the place. And I imagine Mark Stafford will have some uh, reaction to that in his show this afternoon, uh, starting at midday. It's a limited show because there's rugby league on as well with the boys. Uh, but we shall talk to Staffy and confirm that very shortly. Right, uh, 11.56 and uh, a couple of bits of news come to us in the last hour. One uh, very distressing and one uh, right up there as well, actually, to be fair. And uh, anyone that uh, knows anything about uh, that uh, property of the Mad Butchers, who's uh, making a, a personal appeal and a public appeal to get it back. Uh, those guys that ram raided uh, that facility and took that, uh, please, um, if you know anything about that, get in touch with the police or get in touch with somebody who can get in touch with the Mad Butcher. Um, and so he can at least get his jerseys back, apart from the pride and the, and the insult that it's done to us personally. Um, I, don't, I just, just don't get uh, this country at the moment in some of that respect. Uh, anyway, and the other news, of course, is uh, that Danny Hay will no longer be uh, the coach of the All Whites from um, the 1st of November onwards. So Mark Stafford with a couple of things uh, to deal with that have come on at the last minute in particular. 
uh, the Danny Hay news. Yes. We're trying very hard to get the CEO of New Zealand Football on uh, in about half an hour. Um, just waiting to see if we can make that happen. Um, done a little bit of sniffing around just in the last 10 minutes, Smithy, and there's always two sides to a story, isn't there? And there's, there's a little bit of a backstory here that's yet, yet to play out, I understand. And um, there's a big, uh, what do you call it, a review going on with the last All Whites campaign and Apparently, there's some stuff that's going to come out of that that we're not privy to. So uh, I guess we just take a waiting brief and see what happens, Smithy, and I'll see what I can get okay. out of the CEO of football. It's interesting, actually. So uh, we might not be looking at uh, something as simple as a financial uh, gap. Yes. Well, maybe not. Yeah, um, a massive financial impact. We're going to have Fred de Jong on the show as well, and I'll get him to comment on it um, as well as look at the Champions League and stuff like that. But my understanding, not making the World Cup is millions and millions of dollars we're not getting. Millions and millions. Right, okay. <clears throat> and we weren't too far away, to be mm. perfectly honest. Uh, I'm not sure we had the best referee in the history of uh, world football, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> Steph, uh, this afternoon you will have uh, a limited show because, of course, we've got a bit of uh, rugby league to deal with uh, this afternoon with the World Cup around the corner uh, too, so the boys will be in on that. But uh, you've got a, a, a small midday madness? Yeah, about half an hour, just on Trans-Tasman rivalries. Smithy, your favourite Trans-Tasman rivalry? It might be a moment or it might be the fixture you look forward to the most and... So many things, and I could even start with Crowded House, as far as I'm concerned, Australia can have them. Pavlova, we'll take that. Um, just had confirmed we've got the Mad Butcher coming on at 2.30 um, to try and spread that news, to try and get his bloody jerseys back. I think it's a disgrace. Uh, also, with the netball test on tonight, Smithy, we have the Australian Diamonds head coach joining us at quarter past one. And the New Zealand men's are playing New Zealand Australia at five o'clock at the same venue. So we've got Junior Levy um, coming on the show as well. So a bit of netball, a bit of league, a bit of football, a lot to cram into three hours. Yeah, and anything else that crops up in between. Mm. And I hope people do listen to uh, Mad Butcher in particular there. Um, okay, so, um, uh, and incidentally, we are massive underdogs of both those games of netball at the TAB. Both the men's and women's teams are not picked to beat Australia uh, in their respective games uh, this afternoon or tonight. So uh, keep an eye on those. They'll be good viewing, and we'll talk about that tomorrow morning on the show. Robbie, uh, thank you very much uh, for helping us out over the last uh, three days. Uh, Aroa, of course, uh, with the news, and uh, to do you too, Logan. Uh, thanks for that ratings update, mate. That was gold. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.